what the fuck is going on man <laughs> i know i was just like this is gonna be a weird weird podcast between like you know do we do we just address it do we kind of go on you know knowing that this is going to be weeks later and just be like oh let's just talk about other stuff yeah i had the same thought i was like should we like acknowledge the fact that we're making a podcast for a, a world that might not exist by the time it's supposed to come out right yeah <laughs> like, to another episode of the motor mouth podcast my name is joel tyree and with me as always is my esteemed co-host the tim gerard hello hi tim um two topics enter sanity leaves i'm i'm going to stage a coup oh okay Um, and i'm gonna bring up mine first because i've been like really eager to talk about is that okay that's that's the best coup we've had today <laughs> listeners it's a little inside baseball we're 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 recording on a day i imagine we'll live in infamy, infamy. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i'm gonna bring my topic first um i want to discuss songwriting with you Ooh, i like and that because we both uh, i won't do any more more intro than that because I, I we we both write songs um and we've never really talked about how we do it or our processes or, or really exchanged ideas about that. So I'm really oh, excited to talk to you about that. We don't have to do it first, but I wanted to at least introduce it first to shake up the format. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what's your topic? Uh, mine isn't that cool. It's new year's resolutions. Oh, <laughs> so many weeks or months later. <laughs> Yeah. we're recording at the beginning of january listeners well, and well and that that i think will <laughs> oh, tie in when it'll, we get it'll, into it oh because it will like catch up like by the time we're talking about it people will have abandoned theirs which is which is part of one of the things okay. i do want to discuss as part of that so so i'm not just listing my new year's resolutions the, the or just the idea of, of yeah. okay cool yeah sweet <laughs> see we burned so much time before the show talking about other stuff and we had these really like nuggets of discussion topics yeah so see if we ever do a patreon that's what our patreon supporters yeah. can do they can get that hour-long discussion that we just had that you didn't get to subscribe now if you thought the bullshit we talked about on the normal podcast was random and non sequitur <laughs> just you wait for five dollars a month <laughs> Uh, so, so writing of the songs. Um, yeah. So I, I just, just, I mean, I, I write songs usually with a guitar. I've recently got a MIDI keyboard and been making beats and producing more like electronic sort of stuff. But the, our theme song is a song I wrote called man in black, the man in black. Um, and so, but I write with a guitar usually and I'm fiddling with a keyboard trying to find chords and stuff. And I mean, Tim, you have basically the whole orchestra <laughs> as, <laughs> as, as your instrument. So I was just, I, I, I was just thinking about like, I had taken a break. I hadn't written any songs for a while because COVID has been kind of 
depressing and i don't want to be the the 34th dude to write the covid blues <laughs> song you know because i i typically write in like a bluesy rock kind of folk music genre if you can call it that um but i, I was just curious because i mean we i think we put out very different kind of stuff and but we have very we have similar interest i think you're you have more new wave musical tastes than i do popular music wise um but we have a lot i mean we both like rush we both like zeppelin that was what we were talking about before the <laughs> the podcast so i just I, just curious how like how you find and approach songwriting um yeah i <laughs> okay Whew. okay so the, so i'm basically I'm, doing like the inside yeah. the actor's studio like Maybe that's that that's something is like quest interview questions you've always wanted to be been asked. Like I always did right. that like when when they would interview actors or directors or stuff on TV. I was like, oh, what would my answer be if James Lipton asked me, what's my favorite word? What's right. my least favorite word? <laughs> what would you like to hear God say if you entered the pearly gates? But like I I I'm genuine like what's your writing process like? Yeah. Um so well I'm I'm gonna go back to my my roots a little bit, um, just to kind of kind of show where I came from, because it is one of those things, like the more I learn about other composers and meet other composers, the more I kind of feel like, you know, am I even a real composer? You know, because, you know, for example, Mozart, you know, writing, you know, music at the piano when he's like a fucking child, you know, it's like, okay, I definitely didn't start there, you know. With no um, errors, perfect script, which right, has been you know, recently refuted to a certain extent. I don't know, like, but yeah, that's the story, and, right? Kid Genius right. wrote it perfectly the first time, could recreate yeah. it from ear. Yeah, there, yeah, I think there was there was there's a story about him hearing some Bach piece performed at a church and he went home after hearing it once and wrote it all out. You know, they didn't have IMSLP back then. You couldn't go on the internet <laughs> and be like, "Oh, I want a PDF of this sheet music." You know? Um so more so, ink. <laughs> tiny German accent. More ink. <laughs> So, so, you know, when I started, you know, my, my way into music was first just as a, as a drummer and percussionist. And it wasn't until really high school, I think, where I started feeling kind of the more of the creative bug, you know, like where I wanted to start making stuff. Um, and I think it was from like being in bands where I was the drummer, you know, and, and by that point, I, you know, I, I already loved Rush. And, you know, I really, you know, I love that you know, uh, Neil Peart was also the lyricist, you know, so the idea that he kind of came in at the beginning, uh, almost crazy. all the, there are a few exceptions, but almost every single song he's written the lyrics for. Like Tom Sawyer, he, he collaborated with a guy, I think his name's Pai Dubois. Um, I think Tears on the 2112 album was actually Getty Lee did the lyrics to that. And I think there's another song on the 2112 album that Alex Lifeson did the lyrics to, but, but like almost wow. every single song is, is Peart's lyrics. That's crazy. So, so, you know, the kind of the idea that he got to come in at the beginning and then pass these words on to, you know, the sort of the pitch makers and then come in at the end and be like, okay, now here's, here's the really, you know, this kind of nice bookend to all of their songs. Um, and, you know, so, so for a while I kind of got into that, like, well, maybe I should be writing lyrics for, for our band, you know, to kind of write the songs around. And then I think a lot of that was because that wasn't kind of moving fast enough, you know, so it was kind of like, well, maybe I should just learn how to write songs, you know, and it basically started by me um, asking the, our guitarist at the time. Now, most of the bands I was in was me and my cousin and he played bass and sang and we just went through guitarists like, you know, over and over again, like, oh, how about, okay, now we're playing with this guy. Now we're playing with this guy, now, you know, and so one of my guitarists at the time, I was just like, 
can you give me like a chord sheet so I could like learn guitar chords? And he was like, oh yeah, sure. And he gave, it was like one sheet of paper, like, you know, the basic guitar chords. Right. And I just fucking, I had this old, you know, which, you know, my first, um, my first introduction to a shitar, you know, that <laughs> my, my uncle had given to me because it was like a piece of garbage, but it was enough to kind of get going on it. Um, and it was kind of neat too, because part of the problem was that the bridge was like glued down and the glue had broken. So the bridge kind of came up. Oh, so I actually had, had a like a bit bar. of a whammy bar on my Sweet. acoustic guitar. Yeah. So, <laughs> what, so that what was brand. Fun. Was it, do you remember? Oh, I don't think it even was a brand. It was like balsa <laughs> wood, you know, whatever. Um, See, that's all guitar origin stories. Like we could talk about that for an hour. Like, yeah, that, it's yeah, awesome. And, and, and it's one of those things too, that looking back, I'm so glad I had the guitar because it made me such a better guitar player because the action was so terrible. Like you really had to hammer down. Yeah. Like my, my fingers had to get strong. And then like the first time I played an electric, I was like, what the fuck is this? Is this for a baby? Why is this so easy? (laughs) So, so that's sort of where I learned guitar, the the guitar chords and kind of, you know, by that point, I think I hadn't learned theory. I think this was early high school. So it was kind of like, Oh, here are these chords. And I could, you know, uh, you know, find songs that were chords and okay, I'm going to learn this, this, this song because it has these chords or whatever and start kind of doing that um you know kind of start writing some songs of my own with the chords that i knew um and then once i took music theory my junior year that's when it kind of like okay now i know how all these chords fit together um which and and it's funny too i i and i'm I'm gonna bring this up because i just finished watching the um hans zimmer and danny elfman masterclass um and <laughs> <What a> combo <laughs> yeah and and it's it's so it's so interesting too that like and i i don't know that they mean to do this or if it's maybe i'm misinterpreting it and kind of taking it personally but but so many people and, and i'm not saying that both of them did this but but you definitely get this sense of people who 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 a lot of the time don't have music training will kind of look at it as like oh i have the advantage because i'm not stuck down by all those rules that you guys are and it's like they're they're not rules like you're gonna get punished for, like and 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 it's they're like the rules you, of what sounds good. Well, and, and they're the also the rules that you learn at the beginning of music theory are the rules that were established in the Baroque era, and then music evolved for like three more centuries. You know, so it's like if you're looking at box music, going, I don't want to follow those rules. Like, how about Mozart? How about Brahms? How about Stravinsky? Like, you know, like you don't have to stop there and say, oh, too many rules, I quit, you know. However, having having said that, when you go through this process of, of, of learning a bunch of stuff, it does start to kind of uh, uh, affect the way you're kind of approaching stuff, you know. And, and I think part of the trick, and I've learned this because I've gone through, you know, like I went through, like I said, music theory in high school and then college and then, you know, my master's is that part of it is you, you, you kind of have to like, I think become aware of, of the rules at first, but eventually they become more second nature and they kind of work their way into your style, you know? So, so yeah, like if someone says, okay, here's this rule about music and you're like, oh, okay, for a while it is going to affect what you're producing because you're kind of hung up on that. It's right in your mind. But uh, you know, a year later, you know, because you've gone through those processes of kind of practicing with that. Another way I look at it too, maybe like, let me look at it this way. Um, like as a drummer, you know, the first meter everybody learns to play in is four, four. So it's easy. Like 99% of music is in four, four. And then you start listening to rush and you're like, well, what is this? What's going on here? And you, you learn about like, yeah, you learn <laughs> about stages, it's yeah, insane. seven, eight. And you're like, Oh, seven, eight is so cool. You know? 
but the first it's also transitioning played, between them and then it's like tempo changes within those time signatures like it's crazy those guys right. yeah yeah so but you know but 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 looking at just that little part of it is yeah. like just like if we're looking at just seven eight like it takes a while before you can groove in seven eight the way you can groove in four four right because four four is so much more quote unquote natural you know it's right. even numbers you know you can divide it in half almost infinitely you know um Whereas with seven, eight, it's an odd number. It's, we've got to relearn, like, how do we feel that? How do we, you know, and you end up having to force yourself to count it to make sure you're just doing it right, first of all. Right. But that doesn't mean, oh, seven, eight, that's bullshit. Don't put your rules on me. I'm, I'm not going to play. It's like, no, it's like, you've got to learn this new skill, but you've, you've got to master it before it becomes something that you're going to do well and expressively. And I feel like that's kind of how all music theory is. And a lot of people will get, have problems with stuff and immediately just cast it off. Like this is going to be a limitation. And it's like, sure. At first, because it's forcing you to focus on this thing so you can get good at that thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so, but, but my point in saying that is there, there were times where as I learned stuff, it definitely changed how I wrote stuff. And there, there are always points that I look back on where it's like, I almost like the stuff I wrote back then when I didn't know any better. Right. Um, however, yeah. I can also look back on that stuff and be like, oh, that's what I was doing. Like, I didn't know what it was called, right. but it wasn't like I was reinventing the wheel. And right. that's the other big part of it too. That's is the like, problem is you're never reinventing the wheel. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's as much anxiety as I have, like in my writing, right. About like, imposter syndrome and feeling like you have no no place like what where's your role like in music it feels infinitely worse because you could literally hear the, the the influences as you're writing stuff like that that's a whole nother podcast is anxieties right. about yeah. creating to yeah me. yeah imposter syn syndrome definitely that's yeah, yeah. <laughs> every day I think, yeah, I think you just, you just learn to live, live with it. You just accept, you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm an imposter. I'm just going to you know, fuck around and I don't, you know, I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, um, so, so when, when would you say you started writing, you're saying doing lyrics and stuff, was that like high school? Probably early high school, maybe bands and stuff. Like you were writing yeah. songs for yeah, trying your cousin to, to, yeah, they to work good. play chords yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and I think that was part of it too, is that we would, when we would get to get, most of the bands I was in were, were cover bands. Right. And there were a few kind of things where, you know, we would kind of try to write together. And I think that was part of like, part of what was tricky was like, you know, like I would, I would jam with them and we would kind of all just do stuff together and that was fine. But I think it was because it was like, well, I wrote these words. So I want you yeah. who's the singer to use my words, but then you, the guitarist, I want you to come up with guitar chords that fit the words that I, you know, and it was just like never really productive. And so it wasn't you the wanting to be project manager or uh, a, a, uh, a yeah. Feige is an early origin. It's yeah. like, here's some ideas, come back with what you have. We'll make something. That's yeah. an early on in the, the Tim Gerard story. Well, yeah, even, I mean, even just being a composer, I feel like, you know, like yeah. that was a big thing that I kind of saw, what was it at some point there was someone I was working with where, you know, he was talking about like, yeah, you know, and I want to, you know, I don't like these, these musicians who like want to decide what everybody else does. And it's like, well, but that, that's what I do. Like, that's what a composer does. That's what every composer does. You know, that's sort of the difference between like a band writing songs together and a composer, like you tell all the other instruments, what notes to play. Like that's, that's what it is. Yeah. And it was kind of like, so yeah, so it is different kind of having those, those two sides. And I like that I've kind of worked with both, um, 
and uh, yeah, so so yeah, there was definitely that. Uh, even even if we're not going full Feige yet, it is still like the composer in me being like, right. no, no, I, w- I want to tell you guys what to do. You guys just do my song, right. do it the way I want it done. You know? <laughs> but yeah, again, at that point, I couldn't yet communicate what to do on guitar. So it wasn't until like I would say, okay, I'm going to learn the guitar part and kind of you know, then okay, here it is. Um, so so yeah, so I do have some early songs that were like you know, just guitar and and lyrics, but like, that was part of it too, is like, I've never been a a good or comfortable singer. Like, so it's like, I never would try to write melodies for it. It was more just like, here are some guitar chords that fit the mood of what I think this is, or I would be kind of writing a melody based on the chords I was using, you know, kind of like plucking notes out of the chord. So for me, and, you know, and, and, and this was where I guess we get into the whole like songwriting process is for me, it was definitely much more of a um, chords first, then melody, as opposed to melody first, then chords, um, at least in, in that way. Um, when I got more into composition, I think that's when I started thinking more melodically first. And then, you know, once I kind of, and, and again, that's where like the music training kind of helped of the idea of, oh yeah, well, if this is your melody, these are the chords that have those notes in it. Or you could use a chord that doesn't fit the note that's in the melody and now you're making an extended chord, you know, and, and how that interacts with it. Um, this is so cool because like I, I knew I knew we did this differently, but it's almost like we speak two different languages about it. Like I'm, I'm <laughs> discovering as you're talking, I'm like really excited about like, th- this is like the learned way of doing it. Like this is this is with a structure and with like, yeah, I, it makes more sense when, when I talk about how I do it, but well, yeah, well, and, and no, to I be mean, fair, I, my, my commentary, not that what you're saying doesn't yeah. make sense. What I'm saying is like how, how I conceive of the, I don't even think I think in terms of melody versus chords. Like, I, I think I like here are chords that I can play and right. here's lyrics and like finding like I'm, and I'll also, I'm not notating it right. The way you mm. are. So well, that, and, and actually that brings up a good point too, is that like, I've written stuff sitting at a guitar and I've written stuff sitting at a piano and, and yeah, that's going to be my question too. I was interested about that. Right. And, and this is sort of the thing too, is that there is, and and that's part of it too, is like I said, I know when, when I play guitar, it's much more about, it's it's much more chord based because it's just kind of like, I'm messing around on the guitar. I find some things I like, and it's like, Oh, that's something. Um, And I'm not a singer songwriter. So it's not like I'm sitting there singing while I'm playing, you know, it's more just like, here are some chords that I could use for something. Um, and that actually happened with a collaboration with my cousin where I think there was a chord progression that I had written that I liked and I gave it to him and I said, this is what I want this song to be about. And then he wrote the lyrics and sang them like, you know, made a melody to go with the lyrics he had written over the chords that I had wrote that I wrote and sort of put it together and then made a chord recording of that. So yeah, we, we, we ended up having like later on our collaboration was more songwriting based and not rock band based where it was like, you know, we're each going to do pieces and kind of send stuff back and forth. Um, so, so yeah, so it's always different. It always depends on, like I said, what, what instrument I'm sitting in front of um, or kind of where the inspiration comes from, you know, and that's one of the things too, is like, you know, uh, inspiration a lot of times is over romanticized. Like I had a, one of my, my teacher in high school used to say, you know, we have this romantic idea of the composer waking up in the middle of the night in a fit of inspiration, rushing to his piano and writing his symphony, you know, in the wee hours of the morning, you know, from scratch finished, you know, and, and, you know, and it's not like that, you know, and, 
but but you do get those ideas that kind of spark the inspiration and you're like oh god i gotta do something with this yeah um but then the process of turning that into some something goes for a really long time usually um <clears throat> so yeah so it depends on you know sometimes you know and, and as a what's weird too is that thinking that because i'm a, a was a percussionist first you would think that most of the time i think rhythmically which and I don't know if it's just because I was doing only rhythm for so long that I kind of got it out of my system, but I, 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 you know, and if it's just the fact that it's like, you know, knowing pitches and how pitches work together was like something that I only learned about in high school, you know, mm -hmm. that it's just kind of like, that's the thing I kind of dove into. And that's why I've gradually kind of moved away from being a percussionist, but, uh, but I still love rhythm. I still find it very engaging. The other problem is that if I try to write something, if I, if I unleash my brain rhythmically, and I'm not saying this to be like arrogant, but it's just, it's been my experience is that people are like, I like, I don't know what the fuck this is. <laughs> and, and, and I'm sure plenty of people can say that too. It's not nothing that makes me like special or anything, but it's just like the ideas I have rhythmically. It's just like, I, I've got to put this on a shelf now. Um, and that's kind of what led into, which we can get into later is like, you know, amassing all these sample libraries and being able to like write music that I can then play through, you know, sampled instruments and actually do the rhythms that I, that I want to hear. Um, it was actually a while where I tried starting a Tim Gerard ensemble, you know, sort of, you know, inspired by, you know, like Steve Reich and, and, and Philip Glass who had their ensembles around. I'm going to write I'm going to write music for my group of friends that we're all going to play. And the, my thought behind it was like, I want it to be like, the name was kind of tongue in cheek because what I want is an ensemble of me's. Like I want 10 <laughs> of me who can all do the things I want to do and get what I'm trying to do and play the way I want to Any, play. Anytime I hear somebody like the trio, the quartet, the, the ensemble, it's like, we know who this is for, right. yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing. It was Count Basie and his orchestra. It wasn't right. the Count Basie players. It was right. Count like he always give gave uh, props to his group. That's funny. Yeah. So okay, I, we're gonna let's let's shift. I'm, I'm gonna talk about my songwriting or right, yeah, real quick. Um, no, no, yeah, I was, I was getting to that point of like this is a good place to stop and shift <laughs> over to you to kind of while we're talking about the relevant thing. Yeah. So my. my parents played music in high school my dad has always had like a drum kit or like he, he was a drummer um not anything crazy but he he liked to bang on stuff and we always had like a drum set of some sort in the house um and my first shitar shitar was like a tiny scale like you get, get them at costco really tiny Oh, and I yeah. broke one of the tuning pegs on it really early so it I mean I never learned how to play it really um it, it broke and it was unstrung for such a long time and it sat in it had a little blue zipper case that sat in the corner of my closet for a long time um the first time I like remember trying to learn an instrument was I think it was vacation bible school like Sunday school over the summer we were doing like uh uh a, it was like middle school a, or just right before middle school. And I tried to learn bass and I couldn't, it was fucking huge. I'm this tiny little dude. Like, I mean, I was tall for my age, but it's huge and it hurt my fingers and I didn't like it. Um, and then I got a middle school band. I played saxophone. The reason I played saxophone, cause it was the closest thing to what the Biff uh, uh, jizz uh, players in star Wars played. Yeah. <laughs> probably would have been closer to clarinet but i thought saxophone was really cool so i played that and then i played in jazz band we had an after school jazz band in middle school 
So I had jazz from like seventh grade through senior year of high school. So I, I kind of, I like, I could play music. I read, read music, but when I got into like, when it got into high school and stuff, I, I wasn't really listening, like reading music. I couldn't sight read worth a goddamn. I still don't understand that, like coming into something fresh. If I could hear it, I can imitate it. Like a lot of playing by ear is how I faked it till I maked it through like concert band and stuff. Um, and jazz is all about listening and Im imitating, right? And then th the first kind of like creative, like generating stuff was soloing in jazz band. So I knew the 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 blues scale, like the the whatever diminished or diminished fifth or whatever that is that like pentatonic I guess pentatonic scale. See, I'm already gabbling it. This is the different language we speak on this. So I I that was the first kind of like okay I there's an established chord progression. I can play these things and everything sounds good, and I can play and I can reference things. At one point I. Uh, we were playing one song and I was able to work in hall of the mountain King. Nice. Like just by ear. Cause I had listened to it and worked it out and figured it out. And that, that was a lot of like how I played and how I thought about like creating stuff was like mimicry. And, but my, my, my experience with guitar and what, what shot to a very expensive, very frustrating <laughs> collecting slash love relationship with, musical instruments and guitars and pedals and stuff was my my friend sam had a shitar and it was a, a, a fender squire so not stratocaster these were the cheap ones but it, it said miller genuine draft across it <laughs> he got it from his aunt who had a bar and it was one of the displays hanging in the bar he brought it to school to school and during lunch or something, I went into a practice room and plugged it into this big, nasty old amp. I can't even remember what it was. It was the first time I had something in my hand hooked up to distortion. And I was figuring out kind of the pentatonic scale going up like G, I think. Something real easy. And I was making it make noises I had heard ACDC make. And it blew my fucking brain. Like <laughs> the 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 distortion and the vibrations like it was like an orgasm like i i read like it's a very i a very visceral remember like memory i have a lot inspired a lot of poetry it's insane um so from that it was like okay i have to play guitar now so i ended up buying that guitar from him so i have that oh, guitar nice. that was the the start of 10 you still 11. have it i still have that guitar oh, it's that's at my great. parents right now um it needs, I should put new, uh, um, pickups in it and it needs to be restrung, but I still have it. I, I can't, you can't get a, give away your first love, you know, like that, that's something I, I will. And that's part of my collecting issues. Um, <laughs> but then I was thinking like, I was like, okay, I want to play music on this and I want to write. And I, I mean, I was big ACDC fan. And when you realize that all they're playing is four chords, it's like, okay, I can, anybody can yeah, do this. I can learn those four chords. <laughs> like, I mean, obviously you learn the, the bad smoke on the water pro chord progression. Like <laughs> anybody does. And like, that's the first thing anybody asks you about playing guitar. And that it's was usually like, the wrong key, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you want to use, but you use yeah. the open A so you yeah. don't have to touch. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I was playing it in E. I was playing it up the neck. Oh, there you go. So that that's just silliness. 
Um, but like you, you can start to learn ACDC stuff pretty easy. I mean, like TNT is three chords. Like you just you go through it and I'm playing all that stuff by ear. And then, I mean, it was great. I had ACDC live at Donington and he goes into that really long, like strip tease number and it's just the rhythm section. So you can solo all day with that in the background and you just felt like you were part of the group. So that was cool. And that's the thing, like, I mean, I was, I was a fan of the stuff my dad was in high school. So I listened to like ACDC and Aerosmith and Boston and all these like classic rock bands kind of moving into to early eighties metal and that stuff. So I kind of missed my own generation of music that, <laughs> um, so, but the stuff that I was writing was, I mean, it was all about girls. It was all about breakup. It was like ballads and then bluesy sex rock lyric stuff. And it was just kind of figuring, and that's the thing, like I, I never, I was learning through tab and I was learning like the chord names, but not really notating. I was, it was something I was keeping separate from like the, the written part of music. I was writing down like the chord changes, but it wasn't something I was like notating specific notes and just trying to get chords figured out. Yeah. And what to was be cool fair, about- like I can't read music on guitar either like i use tab or like for chords like i know where the chords are in like mm-hmm. where the notes are in that chord but it's like if you put a piece of sheet music in for me i could not play that on right. guitar and that's the thing i have such a respect for like eddie van halen and for uh jimmy page who were like classically trained studio musicians who would like write and be able to notate and follow changes and like like that that is so foreign to me and i have so such a respect for that and then, I mean, you you learn about different methods of playing guitar. I mean, guy, uh, uh, Grohl, fr- uh, Foo Fighters, like the way he talks about playing guitar is like drums. Like yeah. he, he thinks of it like in, in that sense. And I, I was identified with that because I also played drums too. Like I, I learned, I did percussion in um, middle school and then I kind of fell off and I never was like reading it but i i I could groove and i could feel because i I, rhythmically minded like i could i could play four four all day right like that that's that's fine i could do funk rhythms and rock stuff like that was always fun so like when somebody was jamming if they played guitar too i could go back on the drum set and the cut like and we could swap that kind of thing and that was the thing like i was learning chords and stuff piecemeal so it was like every month or so i'd get a new chord and then it would be seven chord progressions late like combinations and stuff and that would be a song like oh this is the thing i learned so this is the song that was inspired by that new chord that entered the i still do stuff like that i don't think i know all of the chords like i i I fall back into the same and tina can attest to how irritating it is to hear the same (laughs) fucking chord progression 800 times um but that was like inspired that was just kind of you learn a chord and it was like a precious thing like you had this base of knowledge and you remember and a lot of stuff like i would just play the songs that i had written so frequently that and this is the closest i've ever gotten to like synesthesia is like when i mean synesthesia is confusion of the 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 um senses uh, for listeners who might not know but the the idea of like i would come up with a chord progression and the feeling or the story that I would feel through the, 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 the progression of those chords never matched the lyrics that I ended up writing for it. it, it it's almost like, and that's almost how I would remember how to play the song. Like I, cause I wasn't writing down like rhythm or anything. I knew the chords, but like, for some reason, like following the story of the chords was 
easier to remember than like rhythms or anything. Right. Yeah. It's very strange. Like synesthesia is classically difficult to describe, but I, I finally kind of pinpointed that a couple of years ago. It's like, that's, that's why this song feels like this, but the lyrics are different. Um, so, huh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. And then I guess, I guess we could, we could pivot back to you that just like, Bad breakup songs, obviously. Any, I mean, teenage boy, high school breakups with a guitar. There's going to be some sappy shit, you know. And and that's, and it didn't really refine until I was like in college and had space and quiet and like didn't have my parents yelling at me to not play the same thing over and over as I was writing. Yeah, that, and that that brings up a good point too. Just this that last part because like I, I sometimes took for granted like how cool my parents were about me me learning music yeah because when you have a kid in your house who's learning music like it sounds fucking terrible most of the time right. you know yeah and you're right you're getting this repetition and it's like this you know this trial and error and it's like you know um and and they were always cool i mean unless like you know because my, my dad was a firefighter so sometimes he worked all night so sometimes he was sleeping during the day so i couldn't play my drum set obviously my dad worked but, like, nights too at some point so it was like you have to get your practice in before he goes to bed and so right, it, like yeah. it, it was part of but they that was the thing is like it wasn't like me doing it blindly like no you should practice like they they were always yeah. really encouraging about it too yeah yeah so you know, and I, you know, I, I hear about some people who, yeah, it's like they had to kind of almost fight to play music. And it's just like, man, there was so much shit that, that the kids try to do that they actually shouldn't be doing. When you have a kid who wants to learn an instrument, why are you giving them a hard time about it? You know, like, right. so, so yeah, that was always, you know, looking back, knowing that, that that wasn't the case for everybody. I was always grateful for that, that my parents were like, you know, yeah, like, good, you're going to play your instrument. Awesome. You know? Yeah. And with my, I mean, my dad has stuff that I wrote in high school on his, his MP3 player. Oh, like he'll, cool. he'll listen to it still and he'll text me about it like it's this he was always he always thought it was so cool i was learning guitar and then i would show him stuff he's just like man that's so cool like they, they were really encouraging with with that stuff and they were all like and it's the, the classic thing like they have uh, a family over oh joel's working on a song go right. get the guitar i'm like oh i don't want to be that guy thing like i always wanted to play guitar i always thought it was really cool to be a guitarist i also wanted to be steven tyler that has its own issues um right. <laughs> but like i never wanted to be the dude at the i didn't want to be the guy from animal house the dude with the acoustic guitar at the frat party right, right? that that's that those are the kind of identities I, I was trying to avoid like yeah I, I i think i avoided that while skirting very close to it um i remember there were parties that i would go to and I think this was also because it was after college and I wasn't trying to hook up with people. I think that was what saved me. But I remember a few <laughs> parties. This was actually when me and a friend of mine were, um, were the drumline instructors at URI. And we would go to the parties. Like this is after we graduated college. So first of all, like, we're that guy. <laughs> but like, I remember bringing my acoustic and one of the, one of the kids who threw the party, like he was a drummer and he had a drum set in his bedroom, like at the, the, the house that the party was at. So me and my friend and a couple of the drum line were like in his bedroom. And my, my friend was playing the drum set. Cause he, you know, he's also a drummer and I was playing guitar and we were playing like Alice in Chains and three eleven songs and whatever. And like, there, so it's like, okay, like we're at least removing ourselves from the middle of the party and people are able to come in and interact and the people who are seem to be into it. And then when they're done, they leave. And so it's like, but yeah, I remember doing that being like, am I that guy? And it's like, I don't think so. Like, I'm not trying to serenade some chick I'm trying to bang. I'm just trying to actually make music with some of my friends and they seem to be into it. So we'll go with it. 
See, it was just recently I unlocked this as like, I'm always awkward at parties. I don't really like those. I mean, I, I can I can do the person suit thing. Like I'm very like, I can do small talk. I'm not, I'm not, uh, not functional in those. But I find any musician, if we're at a house where there's roommates and they've got a guitar, that's my fucking in. Cause we will mm-hmm. go to your room and play with your toys. Right. So I don't have to do the social shit. Yeah. I, we we did we went up to Breckenridge even during court like we had taken precautions we did quarantine everybody was safe up there, and we hung out with these housemates with of my sister and her partner up in Breckenridge, and dude had two guitars and synthesizers and pedals and stuff and I was like well we're gonna hang out for this whole fucking weekend, <laughs> so much so that Jay who's kind of like the the mover and the shaker tries to get everybody organ like that's my my sister's partner. He's like, stop playing with your toys. Come and play dominoes with everybody. Like, it was no. like, <laughs> but that's the thing. Like it, that was how I avoided it too. Is like, this is a musician. Let's talk. Let's go over here. It's not. Here's my my uh, 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 metaphorical dick. Come and suck it, right? Like, right. That's that's. I just didn't want Belushi to come and smash my guitar. That's <laughs> strongest imagery ever, right? <laughs> So with, with you for, for songwriting, I know a lot of yours come, like y- you work on commission, like you you are commissioned to do things for things. So how is that? Because I, I mean, I've never been in the position. I mean, the I made the song for the theme of this. It wasn't a commission thing. I was just playing and made something, right? So I'm usually, my inspiration comes from like what's ever bouncing around my head or like I want to make stuff. When it I'm interested in how that stuff comes about for you, but also like when you're writing towards something with a deadline, how, how do you, how are you generated and inspired? But like you've done video game stuff. I know you had, you had really elaborate ideas of like different weaponry have different instrumentations and endings and stuff. Like it helps with structure, but like when it comes to like the spark that starts the fire of the thing, how does, how do you do that? Right. Well, and, and this is one of the reasons why and it, it sounds like it's, it's an excuse and maybe it is one of the reasons why I like doing film scoring and video game music so much is that usually like someone's already bringing something to the table and that's kind of what inspires you. Uh-huh. Um, whereas if it's just me alone in my own head, like, well, what do I want to be inspired about? What are my ideas? What do I want to? And so, so the fact, that, you know, in the lazy sense is that, some of the work's already done for me, mm-hmm. you know, this is the story. This is the scene. This is what you, what you're writing has to fit to, or these are the lyrics. Someone else wrote the lyrics. You have to write a song to this. Um, however, what I think is also really good musically about that is it, it really like pushes you outside of yourself. You know, like if I'm, you know, like, like when I look back um, probably like the 10 years between my, my, undergrad and graduate degree like there's not a lot of good music in there because I was just kind of sitting you know in my mom's house writing music you know kind of by myself like there was really you know there are a few good things that come out of there I think but um, a lot of the gems that came out of there also were like collaborations of different sorts with people Um, like I have a, a visual artist friend back in Rhode Island and we met one time at a Panera. Remember that when that was a thing you could do? You could go to a Panera <laughs> or something. And, or and he kind of, yeah. God, I miss IHOP. <laughs> but, but he had kind of shown me some of like his, his visual. And I, I, they weren't necessarily paintings because I think they were, you know, they were done with like different medium, but it was like, you know, wood and then different sort of like, I don't know if they were like colored pencils or whatever, but um, 
but just like visually what he was doing kind of like sparked all these ideas in me of like, Oh, this is how I could represent that, you know, musically, you know, the, and like the, the one that I ended up working on was, it was like, he had painted the background just yellow and there were these two blue spheres. And then over that he had made all these little like black dashes, like with a Sharpie mm -hmm. and then all these little like white circles. So it was just these kind of four textures, you know, and like, I was like, oh, here's how I could do. And the name of the piece is actually yellow, black, round, blue spheres, black segments, white circles. Like that's the name of the piece. Cause it was just like, this is what it is. I'm not going to, again, over romanticize it and be like, you know, a lover's Sunday or some bullshit <laughs> like that. That's, that has nothing to do with it. It's about hate painting. naming songs. It bugs yeah. me so much. It's like poetry, like naming yeah. is so irritating. Yeah. And I mean, I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, this is the thing that this is about fun, right. you know? Um, here, here's uh, the chorus, so we'll just slap right. it on the top of it. Yeah. yeah. Or I like actually what I, what I what, in a lot of, I think it's um, like medieval music, like a lot of the church music, the title is just the beginning of the first line. So it's not even, <laughs> let's go to the chorus, let's go to the important part that gets repeated. It's like, how does this fucking thing start? And that's just the title. <laughs> it's a prop to slay. Yeah. It's, it's for everybody with a hymnal back in the t times when no nobody could read, but they recognize, okay, this is how this one looks to start. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, if, if that were the case, you know, it would be like a modern day warrior would be the name of Tom Sawyer. Cause that's like the first line that's sung. Right. Like, Let's just do that. You know, it's like, no, it's about Tom Sawyer. But anyway, <laughs> um, so, uh, like, oh yeah. So, so anyway, so there were a few collaborations I did with people. And I think, you know, that, that was part of it where it was like, yes, I want, I want to have this, this thing outside of myself. And to be fair, I could pick a story that I like. And, you know, and I've, I've thought about doing that sometimes like, oh, I don't want to just take a story I like and just set that to music, you know, do a programmatic piece or something. And, you know, I still will at some point. Um, but that's part of why I've been digging into film stuff is like, you know, by doing something that that's based on an idea that someone else had, you know, it's kind of like, Oh, okay. Like I, yeah, I've got to pull myself out of my comfort zone. And I mean, you know, you kind of draw from the stuff, you know, but also uh, the first time I had to redo something, I remember I was, I was very glad that I wasn't crushed by this, but I was like, okay, now I get to try something different. Whereas if I, if I was just writing a song for myself, I would have done the first thing and that was it. But right. then to have someone go, no, the first thing isn't quite what I'm looking for. And it's like, well, what do I do now? And it really pushed myself beyond like what my comfort zone was. And, and I had to learn, okay, how do I approach this in a different way? And I think it was either the, you know, the second or the third thing was like, yeah, yeah, that's, that's cool. And it was like, oh, cool. Like if this wasn't a collaboration and if this person hadn't sort of been honest and said like, you know, like, yeah, like what you did, it's not garbage, but it's not what I want for this thing. You know, I, I never would have done that other thing. I never would have learned what I learned doing that other thing. Um, so, so that's kind of like, you know, part of that, like where a lot of the times the inspiration comes from, it's very easy nowadays because someone is giving me something. Um, see, I discovered that about like with, with the theme song, right? Like, yeah, I never had that dude to bounce off of. I really wish I had. Cause in high school, me and my buddy, Sam, who sold me the guitar, like I thought he was going to be my McCartney or my Lennon, right? Like I thought that was good. But have you ever tried to write or do anything with two guitarists? <laughs> it's impossible because the one who's more skilled, which was, I mean, I didn't realize I was a rhythm guitarist until really, really late. Like if, if oh, I had okay. known my role and stayed in my lane as the, the gospel of the rock says, mm -hmm. I, I 
we might still be playing together. But when you get to with a a lead guitar personality, they're noodling over everything you're fucking saying. Like when you're trying to get stuff together and I mean to his I mean he was he was more musically minded, he understood. I mean he also had better fucking equipment. Like man, this dude had uh insane Fender Stratocaster and he had this guild a vintage guild from his uncle and he had a Fender Bluesman tube amp like all all the toys, right? And that's why I got his shitar was because he upgraded yeah and i was so i'm so grateful still to have that shitar um but we whenever it was never us working towards writing something together it was i had ideas i brought him and he kind of took the chord progressions and did something i couldn't even fucking understand and wouldn't explain it or couldn't explain it because we were speaking different he was always more music like music theory writing it out that kind of thing right. it just didn't work like we were friends for a long time but we, i mean grew apart and those those things that the it was it was the band that never was right mm-hmm. it never really gelled so i kind of had in i mean the best for a guitarist is to have a drummer because drummers just sit behind you with every, what you're going to do. And that's why playing with Jake, I mean, Jake has his, his quirks and he, he took what, like he had electric drum kit, took him forever to get the sounds that he wanted. Right. So a jam center session with Jake was a long pause. And then we would jam for hours. Cause man, he could groove and then he would get on guitar and I could play drums and we would just groove for hours. That stuff was like really electric and fun. And I mean, we came up with some punk rock stuff, nothing like we, we wrote a uh, he wrote the lyrics to a song called uh, Couch in the Girl's Bathroom, <laughs> which I have a, a live live recording of us playing it in this basement. And it was great. Like it was really punk rock, really cool, really middle school angsty, um, really basic. That was really fun. But for a long time, it was I think I, I, I'm realizing as I'm telling the story that like I think in music, I was very precious about it not wanting to share it with anybody musical. Cause I always like, I mean, it, it was projections of self doubt and not really feeling as skilled, but I think it comes back to that relationship with Sam where he was a better musician and we didn't really gel and didn't really work. So when I sent you the, or I played the thing for you, the, the theme, and you were like, you, you gave me tweaks and stuff it was like a whole new word. You were like, it wasn't like, this is shit. You don't know what you're doing. It's like, this is what I tweak. This is what I tweak. And I think you, I mean, you're always want, like you're looking for con- collaborators a lot. That that's, right. yeah. I mean, that's why we're fr- like part of our friendship continuing is like, let's work on stuff together. You're right. like, and that's the thing. We light each other's fires creatively. And I, I think I was always intimidated about sending you music stuff because you fucking music degrees. You're a composer. That's, that's what you are. So it was so cool to, to have that. I, I never really have. Um, and that's part of my songwriting problems is like, I, I'm always working against myself and it never goes anywhere to, to bring it all back. The, the long journey to the point that I was making based on what you said is like jumps I wouldn't have taken and directions it went and how it evolved to something better would never have happened if you hadn't suggested stuff. So that that's, that's what I'm learning now at the well, ripe yeah. age of 30. <laughs> well, and, you know, and that's good too, because like part of, you know, part of the, the thing with me, you know, and I, you know, I would never, I would never talk down to you about your music and like, you know, just full out criticize it, you know, it, because I, I know how personal it is, first of all, like even, 
and, and this would, I, I doubt this would be the case, but even if I did not like it, like, it's like, okay, like this is something special to you. You know, it's like, if someone has an ugly kid, you don't go, boy, your kid is ugly. You know, <laughs> you're like, you love your kid. That's great. You know, <laughs> you put the um, onus on them. You right. love your kid. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but, you know, but part of it too is like, I also do really enjoy teaching, you know, and I do hope to teach composition someday, uh, which, which is really difficult because it's, you know, it is something that is so personal. And that was one of the, the main things I did learn in my master's is kind of not, not just, I mean, I think I did become a better composer for reasons, uh, but I also learned more how to teach composition and how I think I got a better idea of like where, where the line is kind of like what, what you don't go after you know, in terms of, um, you know, and, 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 and sort of the way you can kind of, uh, uh, well, so basically what it boils down to is I feel like form, and, and that's the thing too, is form is one of the things that I have the hardest time with. And form is all about kind of taking the material and having a, a, a music, an enjoyable musical experience. Mm -hmm. So if you're saying like, oh, you know, your melody is shit or your scale is shit or your chords are shit, like, you know, that's, you know, that, that's bullshit. Like, you know, first of all, no, no, they're not like you, you know, someone may not like them, you know, but it, it doesn't mean they're shit. They're, they're the chords, you know? Right. Um, but, but I think where a lot of people, you know, and, and myself included, you know, when you're lost in a song for so long, you're like, I have all these elements that I love, but I don't know how they go together really. And, you know, and especially when, when you, when you really love something, you're like, all I need is this one section because I love it so much, but it's like, okay, but, but not everyone else is going to love that section as much as you. So what can you give them to kind of make them appreciate them? You know? And so, yeah. So I think a lot of it is more of, you know, it's not, here's how you should write a melody. I mean, granted, I've learned tips on what makes an effective melody, right. but that's also part of it too, is, is to not necessarily go after, oh, you've already done this. Let me tell you how you should change this thing that you, you slaved over. Um, you know, in terms of like a melody, because like I said, I feel like melodies tend to be more personal, you know, um, you know, as opposed to like, you know, oh, well, you know, this, this, this melody that repeats nine times, what if you only repeat it seven times, you know, it's not a criticism of the melody, it's saying that the way this song plays through time, you know, is maybe more effective if we can kind of tighten things, you know, and um, my teacher was always about momentum, you know, and that's kind of what I try to think of is it's not about, yeah, again, yeah, it's not about sort of criticizing the parts. It's how do the parts work together to have momentum, gotcha. you know? Um, that's reminded me of like, that's the difference between peer review of poetry in intro to creative writing versus grad workshop, right? Right. Because intro to creative writing is the first fucking class you take in undergrad. So it's everybody's opinion, right? Right. And it's like, everybody's shitting on everybody because they don't know, like there's no filter, right? You get to college, there's no filter because you're reinventing yourself. Yeah. And it can be really damaging. Like you, you never, you could never write poetry again based on some of the shit that comes out of that. And then you go into a master's class and everybody's working on nurturing and well, this is what I think you were going for. This is the feeling I'm getting. So how can we, does it, does it turn this way? Is this too obvious? Can you, shift thing like it becomes more about like like you said like form and feeling seems to inform more of that critique i i, I always forget that the different creative like mediums have similar like 
right. when you're learning to do those things, it, they're hopefully training you to, to get to that sensitive nurturing place rather than right. just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's a diff. I mean, two high school guys playing guitar, one having sex, one me not having <laughs> sex. Like he, he was too cool for school. He was, he was a badass kid and he was cool. I mean, to me, I, he yeah. wasn't a cool, he played violin too. So let's temper, temper those expectations back a little bit. That's a, a band orchestra thing. But um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I mean, a lot of it too, is just about uh, another word, I guess, to throw out there is in addition to momentum. The other big thing I learned is, is contrast. You know, yeah. if you're doing a bunch of high stuff for a while, try doing some low stuff, you know, like it'll, it'll change it up. It'll, you know, again, it's not saying, you know, I don't like your high stuff. It's not, say, you know, too much of a good thing is, 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 you know, not good in that sense. So if you're, if you've got a beautiful melody that you're doing over and over again, it's, it's losing its, its shine. It's using, losing its luster. So if you break it up with something ugly, you appreciate the beauty more, you know, and that's, that's a lot of what it's about. And, and what I've kind of like, you know, the way I kind of, appreciate music more i mean that's one of the reasons why like i was you know <laughs> i kind of burned very brightly very quickly but i was really into dubstep for a while because that that to me out it's of all, all the momentum. other sort of pop all it's all momentum it's all contrast yeah like like when, when i listen to a singer songwriter i you know and, and that's sort of another thing too is like i've gotten very big into texture you know i feel like mm. i started off all rhythm then i moved to kind of like you know chords and then melody when i was in undergrad and now texture is a big part of like where i'm drawn to so you could be a singer songwriter and you could have the best chords and the best melody and the best words but if the whole song is just you singing words and playing guitar like i'm probably going to lose interest you know right and and, it, and it's sad but it's also just kind of like i won't send you, know, you anymore <laughs> you'll be bored no, no, no. <laughs> but, but, but part of it too is also that like you know there are ways to still change that up you know um, you know, for example, you could go from strumming the guitar to doing finger picking. And that's right. sometimes enough of a, of, a, of a texture change to be like, oh, this is something different, you know, or, um, you know, or the register you're singing in or the types of rhythm. So, you know, there are ways around that. It's not just that, oh, every folk song is garbage because it's just, right. you know, words, lyrics, and, you know. Um, but See, uh, with my, like, lyrically, like one of the, the pitfalls and things that I like, habits i get into is like songs with a turn like mm -hmm. so it, it's lyrically not melody not really anything else it's like i i do like uh <laughs> verse chorus verse chorus. like i'm very boring i'm very like maybe even maybe a bridge if i figured out how to do a bridge <laughs> like that's kind of how i do but like lyrically i always like getting to a point in the story of the song where something shifts Mm -hmm. And then you re like your, your last verse is your first verse with that shift. It changes the tone and the, or the speaker of that kind of like, that's something that like, it, it's not really a texture, but I, I think part of, I mean, part of my fandom of Aerosmith is humor. Those are funny songs, right? Like, f-i-n-e fine is shoved my tongue between your cheeks i haven't made love now for 45 weeks like it, it's it, that kind of country bumpkin bullshit sexy nasty i mean loving an elevator like i've always thought that the humor of those records 
is is a lot of like so what you can do and that's i mean a joke is a surprise right it's it's it's, it's a subversion of expectations so i think that's kind of what inspires what i try to do lyrically is okay you've you've t- told the story and i mean this is very late like i take forever to fucking write lyrics i'm still working on lyrics for songs i wrote five years ago like but that's that's something at least to to give variety that makes me like feel like okay i i have a voice unique enough to continue to make music is like there's this joke this this turn this this narrative thing that i'm doing that makes another four chord folksy bluesy song like necessary or like valid you know um so with with sorry i didn't want to interrupt you i had i had another question for you oh no, and you know, and I was just saying too. Like, I, I think that's a big part of it too. Is that different people focus on different parts of the music? Yeah. So you know, and and again, that's that's one of the things is that like, you know, and sometimes I overgeneralize. It's not that I can't listen to any folk music ever. No, again. I, so, yeah, I got but, that. No, but yeah. but like you know, the, the stuff that I seek out is like, ooh, this person's doing this, and you know, a lot of the bands that I got into, it's like you know, this kind of mix of like, oh, we're doing some traditional things, but one little thing that's different, you know. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing is there are plenty of people who will, you know, and and there have been times where like, uh, was it uh, Damien Rice? I was into him for a while. And most of his stuff is just acoustic guitar and him singing, you know, but like, you know, there was something about it that was like, oh, okay, like this, this, this works for me. Um, but, but that's the thing is, yeah, different, different songs are also written for different reasons. And I think of, of Bob Dylan a lot where it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people, and I'm not an expert on Bob Dylan, but I've heard, heard people who really enjoy him say like, yeah, it's, it's just, his songs are just poems that happen to have guitar chords behind them, you know, right. and it's not, it's not meant to be the most enjoyable musical experience of listening to his voice, but that's not what that song is about. And that's fine. You know, right. like it, it's, it, you know, not every song has to be the same thing, you know, and, right. um, you know, and that's part of it too, is like someone out there will love whatever the combination is that, that, that you've put together. And then the next thing you do, you know, that same person may not like your next song because it's a different combination of stuff, but someone else will like it, you know? And, and I think that's part of it too. Like when you, when you get to that certain point, it's not a matter of like good or bad anymore. It's just, it's all different taste, you know? And um, yeah, the, the, the more I feel like it, what's really sad is I feel like the better you get as an artist, the better you learn that so much stuff is subjective so it's like what am i getting better for if i can't be like hey everybody i'm this good because i've been working for so long like right. like the idea of saying this is this good has less and less meaning the the better you get so it's just kind of like man like by the time i'm you know i die i'm going to be like oh well was he a good musician or composer i don't know <laughs> you know it's like there's no way to tell <laughs> Or ask me on my dead bed, deathbed, was it worth it? Did you at least write some good music? I, I don't know. <laughs> um, so I was, I was curious with, I mean, having been living in apartments with roommates and in college and in dorms and stuff, writing becomes difficult. And, and I've always had this, this kind of like anxiety about, especially when you're doing it for guitar, like there's no quiet way to play a guitar and then sing, right? Like mm-hmm. in a dorm room right next to the guy fucking li- living with you. Right. So something that came val- very valuable for me was like when I had a chord progression or I, I mean, I would have lyric ideas so far away from my apartment. I was like, okay, write this down and not really a melody in my head or anything, but just like, this is a lyric. This is cool. This is something we can build something around. 
And then I most like the the last roommate I have had, we lived in the it was like second year of my masters. I was living in the same bedroom with a guy like a fucking uh freshman in dorm situation. It was really ridiculous. Mm. But um I I would get back and play an electric. I have hollow body guitars. I mean, you've seen my, oh yeah my epiphone right casino. Um so I would play the chord progression into my phone, the voice message thing, mm-hmm. just enough to get a loop going. And then I would walk around campus, try like singing to myself, avoiding crowds. So it didn't seem like I was being creepy or, or <laughs> losing my mind. Keep moving away from the mic. Um, and that that's, I mean, because I, I, I thought I was going crazy, like the amount of repetition, cause it's like, play it again, does this work? You go from the beginning. If you start at a certain place, it doesn't really line up and trying to figure out what the rhythm is. And then I watched the, uh, the Eagles documentary, which is just a great, I fucking love that, that doc. It's so, (laughs) there's so much animosity, but they were talking about like these, these apartments or bungalows in LA where a bunch of musicians were and just listening to these famous artists, just play the same thing over and fucking over and fucking over to get it so i'm wondering with with compose i mean i know you do write with the keyboard or the a guitar but when you're in front of the keyboard do you have any anxiety about that or and how much of the repetition is happening because I'm, I'm i'm i feel like yours is like so you couldn't see the forest for the trees because there's so much put into like an orchestral piece um, and I've seen kind of the development of stages of stuff. Like when you came up with uh, our other podcast theme, right. it had we had the piano part of it, which you had written, and then it grew and it grew and it grew and it got huge and amazing, <laughs> and you great. adapted it a million times. So I, I just curious, like with repetition and stuff, how do you, do you have that kind of anxiety about performing? Because I always feel like I can only write when Tina's not here, because I just feel like I. I don't want to say the same thing 800 times. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause I never really thought about before how much my, my environment has dictated the way I write in that sense, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, like I, back when I lived with my parents, um, they had put an addition on our house. So my bedroom was upstairs and it was at the exact opposite end of the house from where their bedroom was. So I could that be up to all hours, yeah, all hours of the night. And like, they would never hear it unless like my mom got up to go to the bathroom and she'd be like, what are you still doing up? Like, Oh, nothing. I just got up to go to the bathroom. You know, like, so it's like, I could just be up and, you know, doing whatever, you know? So, um, so I would be like, you know, just playing guitar, playing it full out, you know? Um, I feel like my, my first two years when I did my undergrad, I did live in dorms um, and I did have a keyboard in the, the room, I think, uh, with headphones. Yeah. So it's like, you know, it's the kind of, you'd hear the keys, but that's about it, you know. Um, and then, but I also, you know, had access to practice rooms. Right. So that's where a lot that of, sense. yeah. And that was kind of a lot of where the practice, where the writing happened was either in one of the regular practice rooms that had a piano or like the percussion practice rooms that had all the percussion instruments. So, you know, and I'd be there sometimes till all hours of the night, you know, and then at whatever time, like, okay, time to walk back to my room to go to bed, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so a lot of that, it was either, you know, I had somewhere to go to where it was encouraged to make that noise or, you know, I could use the keyboard, but yeah, I think probably the whole time I was in college, I don't even know if I ever played my guitar or maybe very rarely. 
um you know just see i always had to flex on them i always had like two or three in the dorm room just like i was cool i also like looked like they were pretty and i could like pick them up and play them but like yeah i i and you had said like when you have the guitar out and it's visible you play it more right like that that's what i always i didn't have them in cases i had them like yeah the little space i had was crammed with guitars (laughs) i also that was another thing too is the whole time i was in my undergrad i don't think i played drum set once yeah maybe occasionally if there happened to be something but like it was definitely something where i kind of put all of the music I was making, the kind of rock band type stuff. I mean, you know, and that's part of why I went to college. Like I've done this for four years through high school. I played guitar, I played drum set, I played in bands. I wanted to do something else. Mm-hmm. So I did the kind of classical composition. I really just threw everything into that. So, yeah. So I don't think there was any guitar, no drum set. Um, so, you know, and again, and then when I, when I got a house with a friend of mine, you know, we lived together for, for three years so I did a total of five years to do my undergrad. Um, so for our, I our didn't last that three story. years, that's great. <laughs> so our, our last three tune years, into the Patreon we, for that story. <laughs> yeah, it's not it's not a long story. It's basically don't tell him that. <laughs> okay, okay. It's, I mean, it's a it's a long, great story. Um, but five dollars. We don't even yeah. have a Patreon right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> but by the time this airs, maybe we will. Perhaps. Um. But, you know, like when we, we, we had a house together and we had our own bedrooms and luckily like there was a little hallway and we were kind of on either side. So I had like my keyboard and, you know, my computer set up in my bedroom in the house that we shared together. So I could kind of like still stay up till all hours in my bedroom working on music. I think, you know, if it was late, I would probably still wear headphones. But I mean, you know, like, you know, it, it, you know if you're using a string sound on your little keyboard, it's not going to make a ton of sound, you know. So, so that was kind of like how I would write, Um, you know, and, and I did kind of, um, you know, a lot of it, it's, it's this also this weird thing too, with that type of, of composing, because it's like you, and I remember someone saying this is like, you know, you should be writing better than you can play because ideally the stuff who's going to play this is someone who's really, really good at their instrument, you know? So, so to kind of imagine beyond what I can physically pull off, you know, whereas like with guitar, it's like, I, I'm going to do this. Like I have no disillusion. That's I'm not, so interesting. I'm not writing this for some famous guitarist to perform. It's something that I'm, I would do or, or, you know, or maybe the guitarist of my band. It's but like a zoomed out view, like writing better that that's fucking crazy. That just blew my mind. Yeah, you know, because that's and I think that's the big difference too. Is like you know between like a like pop music is very recording based, whereas classical music is very sheet music based. You right. know, it's you being able to write it so that like yeah, like I said, musicians better than you can play it. Whereas with, yeah, with guitar and drum set, it's like oh, I'm playing this for me. Like I'm going to be the one on the recording, or whatever. You know, um, so, so so you know, so that's kind of part of it. And you know, we really have to like stretch yourself. So like even though what I'm playing is giving me a gist. I'm also kind of imagining a step or two beyond that. And sometimes it's just a matter of like tempo. Like I'm going to play this very slowly so I can hear all the notes, but someone's gonna be able to play it a lot faster, you know, or cleaner or whatever. Um, So, you know, so that was kind of part of it too, whereas a lot of it is kind of done in your head. You know, you have the, 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 the notes there to kind of give you the, the gist of it. But when you're actually writing all this stuff out, you know, you're, it's not necessary to physically play every note. You know, if you're like, okay, I want, you know, you know, C, D, E, F, I want, but I want, you know, four sixteenth notes on C, four sixteenth notes on D, E, F, and I'm going to give that to the first violins. Like, 
okay, I don't have to physically play that in. I can, once I know that that's the thing, okay, I'm going to write that down and there it is. But I, I don't have to make that sound to know that I want them to make that sound. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, it kind of gets like that sometimes too with guitar. Like when I, when I'm, you know, if I, if I've come up with a progression and I know these are my chords, like I can mess around in my head with what the rhythm is, you know, because I can, once I've heard the, the chords, and I know what the chords sound like from going from one to the other, but it's like, but what's the rhythm I want to have here. And that I can kind of play around with and go, Oh, what if I did this, you know, okay. Yeah, that's it. You know, and, and that part I can kind of imagine. So, so there is a lot that kind of does get done, like either in your head or, or, um, you know, and, and I shouldn't be doing this as often as I do, but kind of writing stuff out and then playing it back and go listening to it and going, oh, I don't like that. Let me change that. Whereas a lot of, you know, purists are like, no, you have to play every part in this and that. But it's like, again, like I'm, I'm imagining this for, for musicians better than me. Like if I have to be able to play every part myself, it's going to be like way shittier. You know, they're all going to be right. bored with their parts when they finally get the sheet music in front of them. So, you know, you, you do have to kind of write better, which means you can't physically play everything that you're, that you're writing, you know? That's um, crazy, man. That, I mean, <laughs> and it's the thing, like I have to play right, have yeah. to write within my, my, my limited spectrum because otherwise there's, there's nothing on the page. I mean, there's nothing on the page, even when it's written for me, but it's like, that's crazy to think about. I mean, I guess, I guess the closest I come to that is like, uh, getting the MIDI keyboard and experimenting with like beats mm. and electronic music. Like that's been the best thing for like being able to. And I, I, I started doing that with the quarantine and, and lockdown stuff because if I was going to play guitar every night, it was going to be crazy. And it's also like nice to play with something that doesn't need lyrics. That's mm. that's been something that's been cool. But I, I put the headphones on, put the interface in, and I'm playing it all through the the audio interface. And I two three four a.m. not even blinking, just playing with. Right. Yeah. And I mean that's without an extensive library. It's like I get stuck into here's the kit that I'm using, and I learn how to sample shit like take it <laughs> from YouTube, get the audio file. I mean I've been uh, splicing in uh, uh, old Timex uh, uh, watch ads with like all that sing-songy kind of like ad copy voice, like mm -hmm. the new uh, waterproof, dustproof, shock resistant, like that <laughs> shit. I've been like taking those ads and like playing with that, making a drum pad of that since you can sample and do stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, but like playing for hours with that stuff and playing with the drums. And I mean, having played drums, I always think of myself as like rhythmically minded. And that's so cool when you're you're playing with a drum pad and then you've got the quantized view on the interface. It's like, here's all the bass drums. Here's all the snares. Here's here's the hi-hat. Here's the open hi-hat. So I'll do something really basic and then quantize it so it all lines up. And then I'm just fucking with like, okay, let's go down to like 30 second notes and we'll do groups of three, see how that sounds. And then, okay, here we'll, we'll, we'll switch the snare up here. Now we're on the toms for eight bars. Like that is so much fun. I, I don't even think of that as like writing because it's just like, okay, I listened to it. How does that sound? Okay, how can we? And that's really where the momentum it, thing comes in for me is like building beats and stuff, yeah. making it more and more chaotic and more and more like impossible for drummers to play. But this, this nice machine will play 64th notes with like... <laughs> and and accented and you can like get them to swing and stuff i'm like and that's been really kind of cool and that that's like playing beyond 
writing beyond my skill level. Cause I mean, I'm just inputting things that look cool visually and like, okay, let's see how that sounds and then adjusting it as, as you hear the feedback from it. So right. that that's been, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Like you said, you can, you can adjust it based on what you hear. Like mm-hmm. I like that, but what happens if this happens here? And I mean, that's, that's what notation is. It's putting sound in space, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, granted the notation itself is just, you know, ink on a paper, but, but what it represents, you know, and, and, and that sort of the thing is like, it's a, it's a different way of, of working with that, you know, and, um, and yeah, and the fact that you get that instant feedback and, and yeah, and it is easier working in like a sequencing programming like that, where it's like, oh wait, I don't want the snare to be here. I want it to be here, you know, click, click. Yep. Whereas like notation wise, if I wanted to do something, okay, I've got to rework this whole rhythm, right. you know? Um, but, you know, on the other hand, like, you know, like I said, luckily rhythm is the stuff that I can kind of imagine a lot better and kind of think of the rhythm I want, like, you know, or, you know, sing it to myself, be like, okay, I'm going to write that out. And that's what that looks like. And now it's like saved, you know? Um, and it's cool, like with that instant feedback thing, you can hear what's wrong right away, right? right? Like if, if, it's, if it's a grace note that's on the wrong side, you figure it out real quick. Mm-hmm. Like that, that's, that's been the advantage of it. And I can do it silently. That's been the greatest thing about it is like tiny song making in a quiet space. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's funny just how like, yeah, that, that contrast of like what I'm hearing versus what's going on around me, you know, right. and it's like, you know, like we're, yeah, working on this big trailer where it's like, okay, this huge climax of, you know, orchestra, organ and choir. And like, if you look at it from the outside, it's like crickets, it's just me sitting there in silence. <laughs> <you know? laughs> yeah. Should we, should we, I mean, this has been great. We could talk about this for ages. Is that, is that a natural, yeah. uh, uh I, I think so. Yeah. Cause I mean, otherwise, I, you know, it's just like, yeah, how deep do I want to dive into like the music I'm doing? Plus at some point I would like to do a whole YouTube channel about that, you know, that's, yeah. that's sort of, well, and that's a good way to segue. One of my new year's resolutions <laughs> is to start, a, you know, at my YouTube channel and start a, a web series of like, here's me breaking down my own compositions. That that was shameless and I loved it. <laughs> you set me and I spiked it. <laughs> <laughs> like like Ben Stiller and the uh, Meet yeah, the Parents. Meet the Parents, right? <laughs> Great. So yeah, I'll I'll let I, I've talked a lot. <laughs> so yeah, so, well so okay. So so the idea of uh I wanted to talk about just, you know, the, everything having to do with um, uh, uh, New Year's resolutions, you know, kind of the, the good and the bad and the, you know, because um, I feel like it's something that, that always comes up and, and, you know, it's, it's always this sense of like, you know, guilt for either not doing it or, you know, guilt for not following through. And I feel like some people just kind of abandon it because it kind of has become so like, so weighted and so, um, you know, negative in a lot of ways, but I feel like I, I, I figured out, I think a few ways to, to approach them so that it's not something where it's like, I'm either going to say, I'm going to do this thing and then not do it and feel bad, or I'm not going to bother trying to improve myself and just keep doing the same shit I've been doing the previous year. Um, and, you know, also kind of getting into some of the, you know, uh, things I've done for new year's resolutions. Um, but, but one, so, so what part of what I want to start with is a, a few years ago, one of my aunts pointed out, cause she's, she's very into a lot of um, holistic stuff uh, just in, in general. But one of the things she pointed out is that where the new year on our calendar falls in relation to nature, it's like, it's winter, 
like <laughs> like our 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 bodies are in sort of death shutdown hibernation mode this I is not the time yeah it's not the time to start something new like the spring is when we should be doing new things because it's right. that time of rebirth you know that you know um and it doesn't have to, you know, get into being super earthy or whatever. But I mean, just think of how fucking cold it is. Like, if you're like, I'm going to work out more. What happens at first six o'clock in the morning when you're like, I'm going to go to the gym and it's fucking zero degrees out. You know, no, you're not going to go to the gym and then you're going to feel bad. You know, wait till the spring when the weather is nice and the sun is actually going to be up at 6 a.m. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to go to the gym today because it's beautiful outside, you know. So, so that's, that's part of it, number one is I feel like we're kind of just setting ourselves up to fail because we're trying to work against nature, you know, <laughs> because of what this sort of man-made calendar tells us, you know. Right. Um, the other part of it too, and this is something I learned this year, um, is I think one of the ways to kind of set yourself up for success is to give yourself a fucking break at the end of the year mm-hmm. so that when the new year comes in, you're actually kind of like rested and like ready to launch into new stuff. So part of what I did this year, and you know, you, you may have seen or, or other people listening, maybe. So during the whole month of December, uh, and this came from like, I'm, I'm not I'm not religious anymore, but I still really like Christmas. And I even though I don't celebrate Christmas for the <laughs> religious reasons, I still call it Christmas because it's 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 what I grew up with, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's 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 sort of a um, it's sort of the last remaining piece of my childhood that I can still kind of latch onto. <laughs> so. So it's not, you know, it's not, again, it's not a a religious obligation. It's just all of these things about that time every year. I I just still have so many fond memories from my childhood. And I don't know, there's probably some reason why I can't sort of let go of that and move on. Maybe a lot of it's, what's also occurred to me is maybe because I don't have kids of my own. So it's like, I feel like a lot of people as they grow up, they have kids and then they get to pass that on to their kids. So because I am not doing that, I'm still hanging on to celebrating Christmas as a thing. Um, So one of the things I did, you know, the past few years, like Christmas would just kind of come and go. And it was just like, okay, it was this time, which yes, has become very commercial and and shitty for a lot of reasons, um, but also, you know, could have some good stuff in it. And it's sort of the one good thing about winter, you know, is where like we get to have decorations and colorful lights and all this shit. And then Christmas is over and it's just fucking gray for the next few months, you know? So so, you know, I never really got to enjoy Christmas because it just kind of came and went so quickly. And then it's just winter and it sucks. So this year I forced myself, I planned ahead, like months ahead. I was like, I'm going to watch a different Christmas movie every day leading up to Christmas. I'm going to, you know, look up all these funny Christmas videos that I like watch throughout the years. You know, I'm going to post one every day to try to spread Christmas joy in that way, make people laugh. I'm, you know, I, I had 12 Lego sets that I never built. So I waited until the 13th and the 12 days before Christmas, I built those Lego sets one a day. And I basically just gave myself all of this, this stuff to number one, you know, force myself to acknowledge and enjoy the, the, the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Um, but also there was a lot of stuff that I didn't have time to do. And it's like, okay, I'll do that in January, you know? And I sort of gave myself permission to say like, this is what's important right now. Like you, you need to, to, to uh, like allow yourself to have this, you know? And there were some projects it's like, okay, this is the stuff I still have to do in December. But usually I just have a pile of things that I want to be working on. And it's just like, oh God, I didn't do these things. I'm a failure. But it was like, no, these things you're not even going to think about till January. So that's your new year's resolution is to do those things. But, but I did that by creating the, the space by saying, you know, it's something that I 
you know, could do now, but I'm going to wait, but because I'm doing all this stuff now. And, and it actually worked because by the end of Christmas, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. I don't have to make sure I watch a movie today and post about it or, you know, post this thing. It, it was kind of a, you know, it's not that I was like glad Christmas was over because I hated it, but I got to enjoy it the way I wanted to enjoy it so that when it was done, I was ready to move on to something new. Gotcha. Um, with, with the movie thing, you said in you, this was no, not prompted by my, my horror movie marathon in October. I mean, uh, probably a little bit. I mean, okay. I saw that you were, you were doing that. And I think, I think like I wanted to make sure I watched a bunch of Christmas movies. And I think when you did that, it was like, Oh, that's a good way to, you know, like, uh, you know, like on Instagram, people do things like, Oh, a hundred days of practice. And it's like, I'm going to make, I'm going to practice and, you know, and it's like, you know, you kind of set yourself up and it, and it, it makes you stay committed because, Oh, there are people watching. So if I don't do this, right. I'm, I'm a failure, you know, which, which is too much pressure. Like there shouldn't be that much pressure to watch a Christmas movie every day. But I, I wanted that. I needed that because otherwise I would just get busy with other stuff and it wouldn't happen. And I go through another Christmas being miserable that I never got to enjoy the things I like about it. You know, gotcha. yeah, because um, I had done 31 days of horror for October this year. And I just like more recently, I've become like a horror fan, like, and I haven't seen hardly any of the films. So it, it, I mean, it's quarantine, it's it's COVID. So it was like, here's a way to consume new content because I can't go to the fucking movies. Right. And it, yeah. <laughs> it, but it was like, it was like an activity where I had built up and I kind of was thinking about it like all years, like, okay, I want to see this horror movie and this horror movie and this horror movie. And I wasn't watching them, but I felt like I was kind of saving them up. And then October hit, it's spooky month. I can do them all that. So also creating the space. You know, like, and, and at the end of it, I, I could have gone all the way through November. Cause I was still like, I had momentum. I still was enjoying <laughs> it. I mean, I watched more than 31 movies cause I was just enjoying it so much, but like creating the space is like, okay, in October, I'm going to try and do spooky shit. That that's a big part of, of like break, breaking up the, 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 the year, you know, like to, to, to give yourself something to look forward to and something fun, you know? And structure, right. I mean, the little kid in me is like, fuck structure. Like, don't, don't tell me what to do. Even if it's me telling me what to do <laughs> that, like it, you're, you're right. Like creating the space for that. And also like what you were saying about giving you, okay, my new year's resolution is to do the stuff that I'm putting off in December so I can do this stuff. That's a great, that's a healthy way to do it. Right. Like that, that's right. not, it's not rushing to the end of the year to finish everything, to start some new shit. It's like, okay, breathe. The stuff I was going to finish at the end of the year, well, that's the New Year's stuff. I like that a lot. And, and you know, it also, the other thing too, is that by having all that stuff in December that I did, that was taking up time, once you remove that, you're creating the space for something new to do. Right. Whereas people have their, their you know, their, you know, everything planned out day to day with work and whatever, especially now with COVID, like, you know, everything is just so much more elaborate, you know, you know, washing your hands, you know, you know, everything you have to do to, to stay safe. So to just say, okay, on top of all that, I'm just going to add a bunch of shit. Like, where's it supposed to go? You know, right. like you, you have to make room for it, you know? And, um, so that, that's kind of part of it is like, okay, if I spend two hours a day watching a Christmas movie for the month of December, when I stop watching Christmas movies every day, that's two hours a day. I have to do something else. So that's where my new year's resolutions go. You know, that's where the time is for that. You know, that's great. Um, and I mean, December is great. Like 
December can always like this is was a unique December because you're not like traveling and not going right. to all the parties and that stuff. So you, you really had this space to see, okay, how much how much time do I have in a week? How like what can I do? And that that's great. I mean, history with New Year's resolutions. Have you done them pretty frequently? Is that like something you do every year? Um, I, I usually try to, but it's you know, and it. it, it it's never something I've put a huge amount of weight in, but like, you know, you, you kind of see people around you t- like talking about it on social right. media or, or just people, you know, kind of, you know, like I said, like people being like, Oh, I was going to do this, but now I didn't. And Oh man, like, uh, you know, and you know, I, I feel like it's just, you know, those of us who, you know, who, who want to do stuff with, with our, our, our lives, like, I feel like there's so much pressure, like the minute you falter, like you, you just feel like you're a failure, you know, right. like you're done. That's it. I'm garbage, you know, right. and there's, and I think that's just like in general, like, you know, people are just like too hard on themselves. And, you know, I have, I have a lot of thoughts about where I think that comes from that I'm not going to get into because I'm not like a psychologist and, <laughs> or a, you know, whatever it would take to have the clout to be able to say those things with any sort of evidence, but like, you know, and, and especially with creative people, you know, right. um, so so, you know, I, I feel like, you know, you've got to be easier on yourself in general, you know, um, also, you know, just, just that idea that like, you know, so many of the new year's resolutions have like such good intentions and, and it's not that you, I, I don't think people shouldn't bother because it's like, yeah, like you should want to improve yourself and do new things and, you know, and, and whatever, you know, but it's like, yeah, you should also shouldn't be that hard on yourself to be like, okay, you know, it's January 2nd. I didn't do this thing. Fuck it. You know? And that's, you know, that's the other part of it too, is like, you know, I feel like it's, it doesn't, it shouldn't be new year's meaning the first of the month, you know, the new year's day resolution. It, it's for the new year, right. you know, like it's it not Michael be, Scott forcing Kevin right, to eat uh, broccoli the yeah, wrong way, you know, blood everywhere, you know, <laughs> right. like 1201. You know? like, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, it doesn't have to be that it can right. be like, okay, I'm going to do this in February, you know, and that's, that's also something I've been doing is as I've kind of gotten into January and I'm looking at all the stuff that I just on my to-do list pushed into 2021. And it's like, I'm not going to have time for this in January. So I'm going to put it in February's part of the to-do list because I don't want to be like, Oh, I didn't do this in January. I suck. It's like, no, that's for February. These are the things I'm doing in January, you know? Um, So, so I, you know, I think that's, you know, not, not, not to be all like, you know, self-help and like life coach thing, but it's like, you know, I, I, I see things that I struggle with and people struggle with. And like, I, you know, I, I feel like at the very least it's like, Oh, Hey, I found a way to make a compromise with this thing that works, you know, and I've tried to take the good parts of it. So it's like, here, if this helps anybody, like, like, yeah, like nobody's out there going, you know, you're a failure because you had cake on January 2nd, you said you were going to die at this year. Right. You know, it's like, yeah, have the cake, you know, it's fucking stressful, you know, maybe, you know, say like, okay, I want to diet this year, but I'm going to, you know, wait till I get to the first week of going back to, to school after, you know, Christmas break or whatever, you know, and let myself kind of settle in and give myself that comfort food. And then, okay, once I'm back in a rhythm, okay, now I'll start the diet or, you know, whatever, right. or working out. Because Tyna kept asking me about like, do, do I do New Year's resolutions? I was kind of like, no, not really, not really. But like, subliminally i think i always do i always have like and they're always the same ones right like eat better well maybe not eat better because i'm i like garbage (laughs) i eat like a five-year-old but like exercise more read more that's usually what it is right be more productive do stuff that's creative but like usually it's read and exercise that's all i ever wanted it's the same every year like Mm. um 
last year I got some pretty good momentum and Zeke and I, our friend Zeke from our, uh, the movie mumble podcast on nerds that geek little plug free of charge <laughs> Patreon. Uh, <laughs> uh, like he First talks about <laughs> this is great i love this um he talks about like doing like check-ins through the year so it's not like one thing for the whole year it's like okay right. let's reevaluate and like you said like there is a natural progression of the year how the earth turns and how trees and shit grow and die like affects how you feel that's why like seasonal affective disorder is a thing when you're inside right. and there's no vitamin d and no fresh air it sucks like it's hard to have any kind of motivation so like i i've been cr- trying to kind of like adapt to that and the idea of, like spring obviously like that's fucking in birth time right like that's when the squirrels are out and the bunnies are out and like <laughs> things are being born and that's invigorating and that's really like you said that's when stuff should start but i'm also trying to give myself kind of some slack like i'm not at the weight and the health and the, the athleticism that i'd like to be at but i've been trying to think of the year more cyclically than it is in this year you didn't lose this much weight you failed you're a fat loser right that's that's not helpful to anybody and it's a projection of insecurities and all that. And this year I, I ended up working out quite a bit and riding bikes and stuff. Yeah, skateboarding. But, yeah. And skateboarding. But the second it got cold, that goes away in Colorado. You can't yeah. skateboard over ice, right? Yeah. You can't bike on this stuff. And I'm not going to the gym. <laughs> Go to the gym and throw a skateboard on a treadmill. And just stand there. <laughs> just, <laughs> <laughs> but like, gyms are are loud and gross and there's like sneezing coughing breathing like it it's just not a place and i i mean a peloton bike there's you can do an exercise bike or a treadmill and that stuff but like i know if i have that kind of stuff it's going to sit there i'm not going to use it i like getting out and going to do it is something that i enjoyed about it so before quarantine i was in a, a really good rhythm i was doing like three times a day after work it was it's like a a meditative thing but like trying trying to reassess more on the yearly scale and also like not feeling fat when october where there's candy november where there's thanksgiving and christmas where there's all of the food that you want like we're for like we're bears right right we're we're boning up for the winter we're eating like your pants are gonna you have fat pants or 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 winter pants like hibernation pants yeah i'm trying to give myself the slack that like this is the time that the world is making you feel like, okay, I got to bone up and like, it's cold. I'm not going to go out. I need the energy and kind of bulk up. Like, I don't know how healthy that is from a nutrition standpoint, but for like a, a self-worth and like not feeling like waited all year to have Turkey, right? Like <laughs> I've waited all year to have the the stupid little, uh christmas reese's christmas trees right like i mean i i'm trying to give myself the slack and it's like i i always want to exercise more and read more like that's that's what those end up being but trying to evaluate it and give myself the slack that like the year is a cycle and you don't have to do you don't have to succeed in that first month in the first 15 days first 100 days of the presidency like it's not that's not the whole year right and and that's the thing like your and your goal shouldn't be 
what you're thinking about at Christmas time with the snow and the fan, like that doesn't necessarily ha- breed the strongest goals for the year. Right. Like I'm, I have a new job, right? Like I'm starting that in the new year and how, how, how to navigate that and like how that it reassesses goals and like readjusting to that. Like, I like it as kind of like a, it's a community activity, like a tribe activity. It's like, everybody's trying to be better in the new year. Like, cause we had a, and that's the thing, like structuring it around a break where a lot of people have time off for the holidays. Some people don't, but like coming into a new year, you're rested. You saw your family, you're ready to get back at it after 11 months of bullshit until December. Right. Like, yeah. So it, I, I enjoy the aspect of it. It's kind of like this tribal community of like, Hey, yeah, let's, let's go out and get it. Let's be better in this new year. But like you said, like it's fucking cold, <laughs> it's snowy, it's, it's icy. It's, it's hard to do any of those things when your biological clock is, is not really aligned with not to get too woo, woo but like, your body knows what time it is. Right. <laughs> like it's 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 very strange. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too. We're not talking about planetary alignment. We're talking about right. your immediate environment, you know? Right. <laughs> like it's outside your house. Like it's cold. Like that's yeah. you know, that's yeah, that's that's nothing that's like open for debate in terms of like, you know, new age versus science. You know, it, it's cold. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like springtime when you have all the energy is like, okay, now I'll get my beach bot get ready for summer. Like, I mean, that's not healthy and all of that stuff, but like, that's another time, like, okay, real evaluate as spring is coming. Like, what do we want to do in the spring? You can only do certain things in the spring. Like, and that's, that's kind of like, if you have priorities year round and you reevaluate them on a more consistent basis, I feel like the, the success rate goes up. Your, your general feeling of success and accomplishment goes up. Yeah. Also, the other thing, too, is I, I I feel like how many people are excited about their New Year's resolutions? You know, like a lot of the yeah. things I've set up are, are projects I want to work on that I've right. been making myself wait because it's like, again, like I said, like, give yourself time to enjoy this month. But also there are other things you have to finish this month. So do that right. stuff first. But like I'm looking forward to, you know, like I said, some of the stuff I pushed to February because it's like, well, I have stuff I have to do in January, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not a matter of like, you know, oh, okay, I guess I never got to that this year. It'll never happen. It's like, no, now's when I get to do that thing I've been putting off for months because I've been doing this other stuff. Like, yeah, right. get to it, you know? And, um, you know, I, and I also feel like, you know, I, I know some people do like work out because they like it and, it, and that's cool. I don't imagine what that's like, but, um, <laughs> you know, but I mean, I mean, you know, like there was a time where I used to go for walks and I really liked going for walks. So like, I would love to do that again at some point, but, but yeah, like, I don't know that I'll ever be the person going to the gym and just working out for an hour. Like, I don't, I don't enjoy it. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't continue, but I did enjoy going outside. And I I also wonder if how much of it is that too, where it's like, you know, again, like, yes, exercise is important to be healthy, you know, you know, not, not in terms of a, of a, of a, of a body image thing and like how you should look, but like, you know, cardiovascular, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can say like, okay, you know, but yeah, it doesn't have to be like, I'm going to go on the, 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 go to the gym and go on the treadmill for an hour. Like, yeah, just take a walk outside, you know, like, right. like I, I used to burn through so many audiobooks just like walking outside for an hour every day after work, you know, and it was like, it was great. It was like, I felt I was like, I was in better shape and I felt better, but it wasn't because it's like, oh, this is how I want my body to look. Right. It was like, 
you know, I, I enjoy the act of going for a walk, you know, and that's why I miss it. You know, I don't miss going to the gym. I've gone to gym to gyms at certain periods of my life and I fucking hated it every time. I mean, I like how I feel afterwards. Sure. But it's like, at what cost, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was listening to, uh, um, you made it weird podcast. That's Pete Holmes podcast. And he had Kamel Nanjani on got fucking ripped, man. Like, Oh God. So and I, I've always loved Kamel. I think he's hilarious. And I think it's really cool for a comedian to go through a fitness journey. And they were kind of talking about the philosophy around it and kind of like, taking the ego out of it and kind of like how it's reassessed. He's kind of come become, he's admitted to being a little more shallow about his appearance. Now that he has one that he thinks like, he's really proud of, like, he's like, I don't want to fucking lose it. Um, but he, they were talking about um, the uh, biography of um, Mr. Rogers, who he, he swam a mile every day. Oh, wow. So, and I mean, a mile, it's not a short distance, but it's not, a marathon it's not doing it and that's kind of what i've been trying to adopt that is like he talked about being i'm just i do it every day it's the same distance i'm not worried about breaking any records right. i'm not worried about best time but i get up and i do it every day because it makes me feel better right so as i've been getting back into running because i did like it's easier to go out and run around this little park by our house than it is to get the bike that needed to be repaired from my dad in commerce city mm -hmm. like my mentality is like, okay, I'm going to do two laps of this. And then I'm going to do two laps of walking afterwards. Like that, that's it. I'm not, I'm jogging. And that's the thing in my head. I mean, I always had kind of like a competitive with physical stuff. I always wanted to be competitive. It comes from my dad and we've never been terribly athletic people, but like competitive, right. With lacrosse and stuff. And, and my dad was a Marine. So there's that whole kind of like culture. Um, so I was always like, if I'm going to run, it's going to be three miles. I got to get it uh, eight, eight minutes in a mile. Cause that's what my dad did in the military. It's like bullshit. Like that's, that's a way to set you up for failure. If I can go out and run it, I don't even think it's a mile. I think it's three fourths of a mile. If I can go and do that jog, not fast, but just consistently moving around that track. That's enough. I did that. I feel better afterwards. I've got some vitamin D, some fresh air, and I'm coughing because I did some work and I've got some cardiovascular health going like that's, that's all I'm trying to, to make myself do is I'm not trying to kill myself in the gym. I mean, I like, I I've always been surprised when I go in the gym is like, I'll push myself a little bit further without anybody yelling at me about it mm -hmm. because I just, I, I'm, I get pumped up and I got tech nine in my headphones and I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> um, but like until, until I can go back to a gym and feel comfortable, like, take a run around the thing or go yeah. for a walk. Like, uh, and that's the thing. I'm not, that's another thing is like trying to make man. I'm never going to be, I mean, I could like with the time and the nutrition and that was something else Kamal was talking about. Like I really appreciated that. He said, if I didn't have the money, the fame or the time that I did to eat right, to, to do that, like it would be impossible. I right. could not have done it without the position I was in. Yeah. Yeah. It's his job to look like that. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like that's something Zeke and I talk like he, his dad was a boxer and Zeke's always been really like physical fitness minded. And, and, but he's like to eat, right. Like sometimes we, you just want Taco Bell or, you know, like if your whole job is this team of people, nutritionist trainer, how to recover rolls you out massage, like, 
all of that stuff, like the trapping, sorry, this has been kind of a uh, diatribe on, on physical fitness and stuff, but just kind of like making it reasonable. Like I want to be healthy. I want to, to be healthy enough to, to live a long time. Like it, it's not about, I mean, I'd be cool to be a pro wrestler, but like, I, I that, that's not on in the cards right now. Um, right now. I like, right. well, still hope <laughs> it's funny. There, there's a guy uh, called the butcher. He's got these big mutton chops and he wears a, a butcher's uh, he's a tag team with this guy called the blade butcher and the blade on AEW. And he started at 40. Oh, wow. And he's like 45 and he's on TV. I was like, ah, that's, that's a manageable goal. And he, he's big. Time. He's a big dude. Like he he's, so there's maybe, but <laughs> <laughs> this, this new job doesn't work out. <laughs> so, um, do you have more ethereal, uh, uh, resolutions than like specific projects you're working? Do you have anything like, cause like um, I said, mine are always the same. It's like, I want to read more cause I, I really miss reading and I want to be in better shape. Yeah. I, I mean, what, one of the funny things too, is like play, play more video games because right? I feel like I just, exactly. I, I, I don't play video games ever. And then by the time I do, I'll play for like eight hours straight and be like, Oh God, I can't do that ever again. And then I never play them again for another whole year. So it's like play for like an hour a night. Like, exactly. like you deserve to like unwind and have this fun thing, you know? And um, another thing I'm trying to do this year too, is just instead of watching so much, so many TV shows, watch more movies um both because like i mean there's a ton of great tv and it's not a criticism about the tv shows i've been watching but it's just the nature of them is like oh this looks like it's cool okay 22 hours all right Right. let's do this (laughs) let's bear down you know as opposed to like oh here's this interesting movie it's two hours and then i can be done with it and get on with my life so i feel like as a way of also kind of decluttering my brain and you know, being able to focus you know you know also from like a a film score study point of view you know I, i love tv shows and what the music does throughout tv shows but again to like really get the big picture you've got to invest like 20 hours in that so whereas with a movie it's like okay here's how you took this score throughout this two-hour film and i can study that in and of itself and then move on to something else so to kind of like you know declutter my brain a little bit too in terms of all the stuff i want to watch um i did this a while back too and it worked pretty well to say like okay for the next month i'm just watching movies no tv shows um and yeah, it's a really good way to kind of, you know, chip away at your to-do list of like all the stuff I want to see. Um, and I feel like it's just, you know, um, you know, to have that sort of sense of completion where it's like, oh, now I can look back on this movie and kind of really let it roll around in my head instead of like speculating about what's going to happen next week, which I love doing that. Right. Don't get me wrong. Like shows like, you know, The Mandalorian, when that comes back, I'm going to watch that again too. Um, I feel like there was another show I just started watching too that I think I'm going to continue with, but you know, like a few shows here and there I'll still watch, but like, instead of being like, what's the next show I'm going to binge watch. It's like, no, what's the next movie I'm going to sit down and absorb, you know? Um, So that's one of the things. Um, Yeah. I think to have them be content related, like, (laughs) cause I have the same thing. Like I want to watch more like criterion collection movie, like film club movies. And I want, I want to play more video games too. Like I, some of the, things that i've been doing to cope with the quarantine is like i bought that man eater game that mm-hmm. that shark you get to play a shark and eat oh it. nice <laughs> um and that's been great and i got destroy all humans which i've been playing too like oh yeah which is is funny but 
dated and sexist and awful, but it was a PS one game. So like it, it, right. it was a different time. Right. <laughs> Not really. Um, but like it, it has a, and that's the thing. Like every time a, a man says something shitty and misogynist, you have an anal probe gun. So you just go right there. <laughs> Justice, revenge right there. Nice. There you go. <laughs> but I, I mean, the, I guess the other thing that like, I always want to do better in the new year is like budget better, right? Like finance wise, new job will help with that. Yeah. But like, and that's the thing, like wanting to, to be good about like keeping, keeping things budgeted, not trying to inflate your lifestyle too much with the new job. So it's not like, okay, you're still, you're still not paying off your student loan debt. You're still got a credit card debt that you're having to carve out of like try trying to put things in place so it's like okay this is what you spend this is when you'll be done like how you move forward out, out of that that's that's also every year it is it's like no more credit card debt the fact that it is every year is how good i am at doing that not not very you know like somebody's <laughs> well, gonna buy like... these watches <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, and that's the difference too like you said you have a new job this year so i feel like yeah, what was the magic thing going to be in years past that would get you more money to pay off your debt? Like, sure, not spending as much, yeah. Right. But now to actually, oh, I'm going to have more money. You know, yeah. so it's like I have this thing to play with to actually do something with, not just like, okay, I'm going to pull it out of thin air, you know. And, well, and that is the thing. Like, this year, I I was really good. I That was another thing. Like, I was really good until COVID. <laughs> and that's a th- another thing is, like, trying to give yourself slack about, like, this is an unprecedented time. Right. And I mean, that, that could be a crutch and crippling and you could like use that for, and I mean, lucky enough to have a job through the whole thing. We didn't get uh, uh, evicted. Like we, we've been very lucky. And I mean, it's, it's hard to kind of like, if those things haven't worked out for you, it, it, it's really hard to say, okay, how are you going to be better with money in the new year? Right? Like yeah. I, I'm trying to acknowledge the privilege of the position of like new year, new job, like, trying to 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 accomplish the budget goals i've always had like um but that's the thing i was like really i was saving up and i had stuff but like we had covid and we had to get stuff and like it was not fun and then like trying to using savings and like trying to eliminate credit card debt and like and you know and i feel like that to bring us down (laughs) no no, no, but like if you if you say something like that it's enough to kind of at least have that thought in the back of your mind. So maybe you kind of second guess purchases. And if it isn't something you don't really need, you know, again, as long as you're not kind of like, Oh, I'm a failure because I'm not out of credit card debt this year. It's like, well, of course you weren't going to be completely out of credit card debt in one year, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I came close. It, it's, it's a lot less now than it's been for a long time. So it I was, I was able to like, not, Oh, like not make it worse. You know, that, that was, that was yeah. helpful. Maybe, maybe that's a topic for another podcast. I need to bring bring some of my uh, uh, neuroses to 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 really kind of. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Go, bear bear my soul. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it's 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 definitely unhealthy for everybody to come, and that's the thing. Like every gym has their memberships kind of peak at the beginning of the year, right? Like yeah. that's that's really consistent. Like 
the gyms are crowded. People are like, there's no more bikes to buy. There's no more fitness equipment. There's like, everybody's joined a subscription or a book subscription book uh, list. And I think that's another thing is like me establishing like the RPG group that I'm, I'm running the star Wars game. Like I really wanted that to be consistent. So we're doing it every other week forever and ever and ever. Amen. Mm -hmm. And we've stuck to that. And part of what I want to do in the new year is continue to stick to that. Like that, that's been something that's become consistent in a habit. If we just keep doing it into the new year, it it doesn't become a failure. It's not a goal so much as like a continuation of something I started and uh, with motor mouth, like the podcast and the company, like we, we've been talking about that for a while and we, we kind of, it's like the summer, right? Well, we were talking, the idea we had, like, it seemed like last year we had it. Like, um, I mean, last year was four days ago for us, but like, <laughs> six days ago. But like, it seemed like it was before we had talked about that idea in person. So it would have been before March of oh, 2020. Okay. We had oh, talked about right, that yeah. idea in person. So it, I think we had a conversation on the way to the car after recording. That's right. Yeah. Um, so if you like, talked we, about in my OCD episode, you're like, yeah, when I got into your car, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, motherfucker, but, I thought you were a clean freak. What is this? Shit? <laughs> As I was editing to that, it just made me so happy that we talked about it. I was like, oh yes. And you, you, you provided the safe environment for me to ask that question. Yeah, that it was, that just... was the point of it. Yes. Yeah, to like, you know. <laughs> How many times are people like, I, I want to ask Tim about this thing, but is he going to be upset because I'm totally calling him out on his bullshit? It was so great because it was like, I, I don't think I would ever have felt comfortable enough to ask that out of context. So it was just like, here it is on a platter. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but like we, we had had that idea. And then like during the summer, I think we both were like, okay, this quarantine shit is an opportunity for us to fix things up. And like, yeah. And then like, it just happened like, I procrastinated and was like, okay, if we got it in ready in time for January, that's to get it consistent and do that's a new year's resolution, like to get it. And because we've been recording as frequently as we have and trying to get on an editing schedule, like it's just become a habit that continuing that habit into the new year. That's yeah. I mean, yeah. we, we put up a trailer as of this week, so like yeah. it, it exists, it lives. And if anybody's hearing it now, it's existed for a little while. It's yeah. episode seven, it is. Well, you know, and I think that's part of it too. Like you, uh, another aspect of, you know, successful New Year's resolutions is there was planning that went into this. It wasn't right. like you decided three days ago, oh, I right. want to launch the website uh, or, uh, you know, or seven days ago, you know, right. like we were, it was, it was being worked on for months. I think it was like sometime in December when you were like, I want to launch this in January, but it's like, we were, we already had the ball rolling by that point. So it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, I feel like if you can kind of say like, okay, in November, okay, I want this to be my new year's resolution. So what do I have to do before that to make sure that can happen? You know? That's the other thing is like something about having a new year's resolution kind of shits on all the stuff you did the previous year. Like let your accomplishments be that your accomplishments for the previous year. Cause that's the thing right. in 2020, we, we started this, I like we, we made this thing happen. Right. Yeah. And like, that's a big deal. Like in a pandemic where, and that's the thing, like it was after the, the kind of like 
couple of months of like, okay, we've got to do everything or binge everything. Like, should I be doing more? Like we, it, we didn't let it be depressing where we're not going to work on anything. It was like, okay, now it's time. It's natural for us to work on this next thing. And we gave ourselves space to do it. And it, it, it resulted in something like, I, I think that's valuable. Like the fact that we were able to, to adapt, I mean, movie mumble to a zoom format, we, we never really conceived of that's an accomplishment. That's, that's yeah. something that, I mean, and that's the thing, like, you don't know what the year holds, right? Like right. if yeah. I had, if I had said, I want to continue to do the podcast consistently in the new year, I didn't know what that meant really right. like at the beginning of the year and it, it's evolved and stuff. So like, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's sometimes with the passage of time and getting older and you feel like, I mean, with, with turning 30, I had this where it was like, try not to be depressed about it because it's not like, this is the, the year that you were 29 is all you accomplished your whole life. Right. Like, no, I, I mean, I've had 30 years. The first 10, I wasn't really conscious for because I was a kid, right? Like, so it, it, it's, it's about kind of reframing or, or thinking about it. It's zooming out more, right? Like the idea that like a year is not very long. And if you think about, that's why people have like five-year plans, 10-year plans, right. like big goals and big ideas. Like it, you check in on them and you maintain them and you try to, to keep momentum go. I mean, it, it's back to songwriting, right? Like momentum <laughs> is what sells the thing, like yeah. in a shameless uh, <laughs> synergy there. Um, yeah. I, I think, I think we, because everything we do is on the calendar year, we really overvalue it. I mean, when I was, when I was in second grade, we had this, it was like a racetrack in, in our uh, school room where it was like the beginning of the race was January and it arced up and summer was the the top of the racetrack. And then it descended down into December and then started like, I always think of the year with that icon, like this little shitty thing that some second grade teacher in California had made up. But like, I always think of it in what have I done in this circle? Yeah. And that circle, there's so many circles. Like it, it's <laughs> not like yeah. we really place a lot of value on, our trip around the sun. It's really, it's really arbitrary. Like, yeah. I mean, there, there are certain things that I, I try to use it for my advantage because I, I kind of like the idea of having things broken up. Um, yeah. you know, and that's one of the things I've really, I think why I, I ultimately, you know, even, even if the whole film score thing does take off, like I still like the idea of, of, of teaching, you know, ideally at the collegiate level, because I like the idea of the school year, you know, it starts and it ends and you have time off and then it comes in again yep. and it's the same, but different as opposed to working a job where it's just like, no, like every day for the next 30 years is going to be the same. And there's going to be nothing to tell one day from the other, except right. Monday sucks and Friday's great, you know? And like, you know, and that, that was one of the things that started happening in my last job is just complaining about Mondays every day and looking forward to Fridays. And I'm like, this is fucking terrible. Like, you know, as opposed to looking at like, oh yeah, like the month or the seasons are okay. This is, yeah, this is my goal. I'm not going to bother trying to do that till the spring, but when spring hits, this is what I'm going to do because this is spring oriented, you know, and I, I, you know, and I do, but, but again, yeah, like making that work for you, you know, or, or sometimes with projects, like I have to give myself deadlines, otherwise I'll never get anything done. So it's like, this has to be done by January. Like, 
decided by me because I don't want to work on it for three months. I want to work on it for one month and be done with it and move on to something else, you know? So, so sometimes I do like having those, those sort of things, but yeah, again, if you're making it work for you, not feeling like, Oh, well, tomorrow's the 13th and I have to be done this by the 13th for no reason. You know, it's like, no, like, you know, that's the thing. Like, I mean, all of my jobs have been around academia. So it's like, even when I'm, it's not teaching or student wise, like the feast or famine of like summer's dead. Yeah. Cause nobody's on campus. There's nothing to do. Winter break is dead. Like that. And it's like a time to catch up. And like, I, I really like having those cycles too. Yeah. Like work for you that way. And I, I mean, that's, I think part of the reason I've stayed around academia is because there are those peaks and valleys it's not miserable you know like at least in the stuff i've had to do you know yeah 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 i'd I'd much prefer having like the feast or famine thing than just like every day is the same and the same drive and the same whatever you know right i don't know if in the new position i'm going to be able to to watch 31 horror movies in october (laughs) i think this is going to be a little more labor intensive than that but (laughs) (laughs) It's a goal. We'll see. We'll see yeah. how it works. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, and you know, one of the other things that I kind of set up too, again, this is more of an enjoyable thing, but also I, I think sometimes too, and this is also sad, like the things that we want to do that we would enjoy doing, we have to make an excuse for them. You know, we can't just be, mm-hmm. you know, kind of like, like I said, with the video games, like, you know, it has to be something that's like, oh, well, I, I have to do this because I said I was going to do, even though I want to do it and I, I do, wanting to do it should be enough, but I have to, you know, um, you know, other things may, may come up that are a higher priority. So, but by saying like, oh, this is this thing I'm doing. So um, one of the other things I mentioned this earlier is I, uh, for this year, for, for Christmas, my mom got me uh, a subscription to masterclass for a year. So it's like, you know, that's sort of the thing is like, okay, I have this subscription for a year. It started like in December, but I, you know, I didn't really have much time to, to watch a lot of them then, but now it's kind of like, okay, like you have this until December. So that's your year, like get into that, you know? And, um, you know, which I feel like is also like, you know, again, it's like something that I kind of want because I'm interested in, but it's also like, oh yeah, well it's, you know, it's education and you're learning stuff. And, you know, I'm also going to dig into, you know, the writers and the filmmakers, not just the the composers or other musicians who are in there to kind of learn about other aspects of it. But, you know, but it, again, it's something that I want to do. I've been interested in for like over a year and I've wanted to do it, but now it's like to make that excuse and be like, okay, you have this, you have a, a clock running out on it, like get to it, you know? Yeah. I was just thinking with like, this is kind of non sequitur, but like just, w- w- I was thinking about um, doing like the, the LinkedIn learning stuff through oh, uh, yeah. our jobs. We had that. So I was doing that for a while, like kind of like trying to, to fuel some of my interests, learn some more about editing and like uh, uh, digital production. And I was going to try and do some accounting stuff with the goal of getting the kind of job that I got without any additional <laughs> stuff. Yeah. So I, that, that would have been last year, a goal of mine is like to do more of that training stuff and something I kind of fell off on. Um, and that made me think about other kind of new year's resolutions where it's like read more or like write more. And I think something that a lot of my anxiety and my frustration with like creating stuff is like, if you don't hone this thing or it's, it's the frustration thing of like, 
something's clawing to get out. I need to be a writer. I need to put something out there. And I've been kind of like tempering back my, my need to write in quotation marks, because I had this realization, like if I wasn't desperate to create things, I wouldn't be so miserable, (laughs) which is kind of like a weird kind of like self, uh, um, weird dampener like like preventing myself from like uh, uh celibacy type thing like oh, like okay. kind of forcing myself into this space but i have been happier not thinking about i need to write i need to 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 write to have any kind of happiness or 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 so i i think that's also something that i'm, I'm wanting to do is kind of like i have a lot of hobbies and i have a creative drive and i i kind of pushed it into like doing music and doing the podcast, like putting those things together. So I think part of like managing my anxiety and my, my frustrated creative energy is trying to put it into things that are productive and actually like have a result rather than like feeling anxiety about not writing and then trying to write and feeling depressed. And then like that cycle of like, not honing that skill and not being able to perform it to where you want to. And like, does that make any sense? Like, I'm sorry, that's more ethereal. Just like, that's something I was thinking about, like trying to nurture the things that are making me happy and I can actually affect not like letting the part of me that's a writer die, but just like not feeding that demon as much. Yeah, that's weird. That's an idea yeah. that didn't go anywhere. And da, 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 da. that's that's how we segue into that now. <laughs> and now it's time for great ideas that go absolutely nowhere. Well, here's one. Like, I well, because I, I, I you, earlier you said like your your topics. So I thought I thought you had one queued up. Oh no, it was just that. <laughs> okay. um, my uh, at one point we were going to try and do a band, which I think we were going to do that and then it was COVID and it wasn't going to happen. But I think in that moment we realized we didn't have as many of the same influences or taste in music as we did, which which I, can be a good thing. It can, I it think, definitely yeah. can. And I, I, again, I think I have that anxiety of like being in a band with a better musician makes me feel very small, <laughs> which is not rock star energy. Like you want to come out and be like, fuck yeah. yeah. I want to be in a ska band so bad. Is that is that anything? <laughs> like I love ska so much. I wish it would come back because it was so it was so unapologetically white nineties. Like nothing's wrong. I'm gonna skank. Nothing's wrong. Now we have a tuba, like or <laughs> like <laughs> trombone. Like it just it had no worries. It it was totally ignoring anything underlying. <laughs> yeah. Just white dreadlocks and <laughs> <laughs> cultural <Patchouli>. appropriation <laughs> all over the place. It was just bad. <laughs> uh, that was actually, you know, to jump back to the masterclass thing. There's a part in the Danny Elfman one where he's talked about, he like turns on the radio and he's like, I heard ska music for the first time. And I was like, what the fuck is this? I love this. And, and I don't know if like the origins <laughs> of ska were kind of earlier than the nineties. Like, cause the way he was talking about it was like, it was, it was from England. And I don't know if it was, really? and he was like, oh, well, it was influenced by reggae and some of these other, and I was kind of like, okay, is that, is that something else? And I know that sometimes that's what happens is by the time we get something, it's kind of gone around and been right. watered down. And it's like our version of what we think it is. Um, 
but I just remember being like, okay, you kind of, kind of lost me a little there. So <laughs> just keep hanging on and hopefully you'll win me, win me back over again. But then he started talking about percussion and stuff. And I was like, all right. Yeah. It was funny when we were talking about starting a band and you were going in like, yeah, we could do covers of like things that people really like. And you were like this band and this band and this band. I'm like, I haven't listened to any of those bands in a long, long time. I don't know if I could pick out those songs. <laughs> not that like, not that it's bad or like that they were bad songs or anything. It's just like conflicting tastes. And I, I don't know. Like, well, I'm, I'm still stuck in like I, and this was sort of, you know, again, this is kind of jumping back to, you know, the early talks of you know my musical uh, experience in like in high school, like when I was in bands, a lot of what we were doing was like, yeah, nineties cover songs. Cause that was kind of the, the era that I was yeah. doing that. And that a lot of that is what kind of inf did influence me a lot. You know, like a lot of people, like I, even though like my childhood was a lot in the eighties and for a while I thought I liked eighties music because <laughs> you found I, out I, really rapidly. You didn't. Right. I think I, oh, I might've said this last podcast where what I was thinking, when I think of eighties music, I think of like, you know, like, like Tom Sawyer that yeah. came out in the early eighties. So that's what I, you know, and, and granted like a lot of that era of the rush stuff was influenced by synthesizer, but then even like when you get to hold your fire, I'm just like, Oh God, what are you guys doing? <laughs> you know, like, so even they were infected by the eighties, but like, yeah, like so much of like what, like, and that's the thing too, is like, and I was listening to like other rock music too, that came out in the eighties. Cause that's like what my dad listened to. Like that was the radio station he listened to. Right. So I loved all that stuff. But then when people are like, Oh yeah, you know, like that song, like, uh, what, like, what is it? Like a uh, rocket by, um, is that Herbie Hancock or maybe, maybe not. I don't know. And like, know. like, and like, and like whip it, you know, Devo, like just all these, like, <laughs> I'm just like, wait, what the fuck is this? What, what, what have I been listening to that? I thought eighties music was good. So See, once I, I, when I do eighties music, I'm always thinking like dancing on the ceiling. Like Whitney okay, Houston, fair. like the R and B stuff. I mean, also like hair metal and stuff like that. Yeah, like like maybe like Cinderella was that like the eighties? Yes, Winger and all that stuff. Okay, <laughs> so that so that was the, what I think of when I think eighties music. You know, Winger and Cinderella and and Great White. You know, before they burned down a fucking nightclub. You know, like uh, you know, like Great White, that... who was like a, a Led Zeppelin cover band, right before they they. Oh, that adds up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, when it, when I heard that, it like it locked in my brain. It's like, okay, that I got that. Yeah, but like a lot of that was also, you know, that was the music I listened to because, yeah, because my dad was listening to it, and I and I I enjoyed it, and I was influenced by it. But the '90s was really when I found my music, you know, like 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 Hellish and Chains, and like the whole grunge thing, and you know, early Pearl Jam, you know, um, like Tool, you know, that's when I kind of discovered them, Primus, like, like all of that stuff was, was the stuff that I kind of, not like, not like I discovered, like, you know, I, I know that that's always something that happens a lot with hipsters where they're like, oh, I got into this before anyone else. Like, right. listening to music is not an achievement. Making music <laughs> is an achievement, you know? Like, why do you think you're better than people because you listen to some song before everyone else? So listening that to sort music of said, is not an achievement. It's so yeah. great. That's a t-shirt, man. Yeah, <laughs> it's fuck. so good. Like, <laughs> So, you know, but like, but like for me, like that was the stuff that wasn't just like, oh, okay. It happened to be on the radio because my dad was, you know, and I mean, you know, again, I didn't seek that out and discover it. Like, I think a friend of mine actually introduced me to Primus and I, I hated them at first. Like it took me a while to really warm up and see what they were about and be like, oh, okay, now I get it, you know? Um, but like, you know, and, 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 you know, stuff like that. So to me, like the nineties, 
was when kind of my musical style, my more individual musical style grew. And those were the songs I wanted to play. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to play hair band songs. Um, also, and this is something that I thought of before that I forgot to mention when you were talking about like deciding, you know, oh, you didn't realize you were the rhythm guitarist, he was the lead guitarist. Like right. I never wanted to be a lead guitarist. Like I, I don't like lead guitar. Like, gotcha. you that's know, right. It, you don't like solos. Yeah. That's right, right. Yeah. I mean, and sometimes it could be done tastefully, you know, right. like, and depending on the, or if you look at a band like Primus where, you know, Larry Lalonde is kind of doing lead guitar, but it's a more like, it, it, it's not this sort of like soloistic kind of where it's just kind of like, okay, you guys set, set up this rhythm and I'm going to do the most important thing over that. It's definitely like, like counterpoint between these three musicians where e all three parts are, are equal. Um, and I think that's what I really dig about it. It's, it's still very melodic. It's not him just strumming chords all the time, but it's, it's, it's not more important than everything else going on. And that's kind of what I really like about that. Um, See, and that for me, like I, I always wanted to be, I wanted to be the, the front man, the leader of the band. I wanted to be Diamond right. David Lee Roth. I wanted to be Steven Tyler. I want and the, Angus Young, right? Like after Bon Scott died, Brian Johnson's the lead singer, but fucking Angus is the front man. Right. He's out yeah. there. He's being crazy. And that's the thing. Like that, shorts. Yeah. <laughs> and then taking them off. <laughs> like, and that was the thing. Like, those are the guys that I emulated and I wanted to be like, but those guys aren't rhythm guitar. They're the fucking show. Like they're, they're out there. So that, that was, I mean, that, that's a, a product of like, and one of my favorite bands is Judas Priest. Right. And they have two lead guitars. Like on all of their album <laughs> covers is like KK Downing. I can't remember the other guy, but it's like lead, lead guitar, lead guitar. There's no rhythm guitar. <laughs> Nothing is more metal than having an album with two lead guitarists and no rhythm like that. It's, that's some spinal tap esque shit, right? There. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but sorry, I, I interrupted uh, you. No, no, no. But I, no. So just, just to say sort of why, where I think a lot of that eighties, uh, that nineties inspiration comes from is that's, that's the sort of the first music that I kind of took ownership of and kind of right. chose you know myself. And so, you know, and, and it, like I said, it was also around the time when I was in bands and we were learning songs and, you know, the songs that I wanted to perform were the songs that I liked at that time by the bands that I was into at that time. And that just never went away. You know, right. it was never like, okay, now that this band is popular, you know, oh, forget Alice in Chains. Now we're going to do, you know, whatever. I don't know even though any other bands probably past the nineties really <laughs> until recently. I feel like recently there've been a few air bands that have caught my eye or my ear. And it's like, Oh, cool. Like there are still bands making music. Right. Um, yeah. With but, my, my, my dad was into like classic rock, but he only had like a specific CD collection. I was really the one that started like binging the artists, right? Like he never had an ACDC album. I bought back in black. I bought highway to hell. So I was going into like the, I mean, you know me, like I, I binge stuff. I like, I obsess and I collect and I have all that stuff. So Aerosmith, like I had stuff, my dad never heard of that. So like in high school and stuff, like I, I musically, I was like off to this. I didn't listen to the white stripes until after in college and they were touring when I was in high school, I could have seen them live. <laughs> With that band was still that that's like the biggest regret musically of my life is I didn't get to see the white stripes live at Pepsi center when they were still together. Like, so I, I had ownership, like, cause I was deep diving into these discographies, but like when, when I got into college, 
and like opened my brain to like hip hop mm-hmm. and rap. Like that's a whole nother like, and that's the thing. I think I have these tastes that are really almost diametrically opposed and in like different eras of my life that like, you can't put that shit on a, 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 a they're not all a road trip uh, um, mixtape. Like right. it, they don't all go together. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I've really eclectic, like specific lives Zeppelin phases. And then I have tech nine beat shit up little John crunk, get crunk music, like on this <laughs> other side. And then there's like more eclectic, like Talib Kweli, uh, uh, most deaf stuff like so i my my because my dad didn't like they they liked r&b and like pop stuff like it wasn't like we didn't have other influences and that my mom liked whitney houston like celine dion and savage garden for some reason which was really kind of a weird i love savage garden i love that band so much it's so weird um so like we covered one of their songs one of the bands i was in oh yeah nice which one which which song the uh the the I want you. Yeah, I think that was the yeah. Name of it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a good. Yeah, we did song. a cover of that, and I sang it. <laughs> oh, nice. Oh, is is there a recording of that? Can we? Somewhere. If you find it, if you find one, we'll put it in right here. Yeah, <laughs> we, yeah. We also did. We also did "Sober" by Tool, which was also uh, one of my. That was that was my favorite song to to perform with that whole band. We did one gig. <laughs> it was great. the famous bu- <laughs> did yeah. you also burn down a nightclub <laughs> is that why no, it was no. just the one <laughs> the, the opposite <laughs> oh you emptied the nightclub right. they it's thought like, there was a fire <laughs> some of our friends were there ah, the best <laughs> it was, it was of nice of, it was nice of them to come support us. <laughs> that's the thing like my like influences have evolved like i'm i'm really like the white stripes and but that like i'm way too late on that like, i like the racket i like jack white and i follow that kind of stuff but like a lot of the bands that i see in concerts that i go to are like the old old rock stars doing it one last time like so my I, and that's the thing like i've only ever wanted to write acdcs stuff or like i mean my my dream is to sound like bad company and uh steve miller band like that that's what i wish i was musically like songwriting wise and that's that's not tool <laughs> like that it's <Right>. a very different <laughs> sensibility <laughs> not bad like i think the the fire that those our influences would make would be interesting like i i don't even know what what that would look like and that's the thing like also the the stuff i write like have been writing electronically is so on the other side of my brain right like it, it's like the theme song is very like techno-ish i i don't even know what genre to call it it's electronic but it, it's it's like retro futurism if if that was a genre of music like that's mm. so that doesn't really gel with steve miller band either like and that's the thing i'm i'm interested to see like and these these are great ideas that aren't going anywhere as the segment says but like i trying to bring those two influences even in my brain together without anybody else i don't even know if they gel in my own brain it'll be that's something i've kind of like held back on like trying to mix those two styles right well you know and and i think that's part i mean you know uh, covers aside because yeah of course if we're picking and choosing songs like let's do a song by this person like sure um but like i don't know like i feel like a lot of it uh I think that ideally the way it works out is, you know, your kind of influences kind of influence you in this sort of subconscious sort of way. You know, you're not like, I'm going to write a song that sounds like this person. Like you kind of like the type of chord progressions or whatever, or the guitar sound that that person does. And that kind of works its way. Or maybe 
you know, it's like, oh, here's, you know, here's, uh, you know, a, a chord progression that was, who did you say was Steely Dan? Were the ones you said? Steve Miller. Steve Miller. You know, here's a chord like progression. Okay. Yeah. Here's a, here's a chord progression Steve Miller would use, but using the distortion that ACDC would use, you know, whether that's like a conscious de- decision or, or not, you know, um, that would be, you sick. know, and that was always, yeah, I'm going to do that, that was, tonight. <laughs> well, that was always something I would, uh, I would, I would kind of try to do too. And like, one of the things that I've kind of learned, and again, this is kind of jumping back into the, the songwriting part of it is like, I've also found that a cool way to be influenced is reading about someone's like style and what they do, because every time I read something about someone, I'm like, Oh, that's so cool. And then I listen to the example and I'm like, Oh, that's not as cool as I thought it was, but I'm going to hold on to that idea of what I thought it was, you know, how this person described this thing, which the description was so much more interesting in terms of what it turned on in my imagination. And I'm going to do that thing. And then it's not plagiarism because it's you're not at all doing what right. the person did. You're doing your misinterpretation of what that person did. You know, um, I do that with like rock documentaries and like uh, it might get loud, which is that like guitar one with the edge oh, yeah. and Jack White and uh, Jimmy Page. Like every time I come away from those, like I gotta fucking play, man. Like it just like it energizes me, and not necessarily like wanting like from like a inspiration like specific idea of standpoint or but it's like these dudes have been talking about guitars for hours and I'm just like so excited and re-energized. Like anytime I see a yeah, band, it's guitar I porn. yeah, it is. It essentially is. And that's the thing. Like anytime I go see a band I've never seen before, like I'm excited. Like when, when they can like get a response out of me and I'm like, Oh, this opener is really cool. Like I'm going to go back and like, it makes me want to play music and it makes me want to write music. Cause it's just like that energy like I feel like when people go see concerts, that energy is just translated. Like this is the moment we're living presently. Yes, thank you to the universe. Like fuck yeah. But for me, it's like, okay, I have the energy. I got to get it home so I can mm-hmm. push it into to something I've made so I can keep it forever and let it last. Like it's just an interesting like energy transference. I think the older I get, the more woo woo I'm getting. I think that's okay. <laughs> that's probably better because I feel like I I started that way and i'm more jaded now because it's like yeah there's there's no magic nothing supernatural it's just you know you just live for a couple decades and you die (laughs) that's fine too and i and i think a lot of what what it would come down to too is like sitting together in a room and playing stuff and probably you know if we were going to do a band you know doing it like over a long period of time And, and and yeah like i that's, that's sort of my go-to thing, like I said, 90s cover band, because that's the music yeah. that I, I enjoy playing, that that it was slightly more intricate than just basic strumming, basic guitar chords, you know, cowboy chords, but still enough that I could actually learn how to do, even though I'm not a guitarist. I never would right. call myself a guitarist, you know. Um, you know, uh, and you know, and that's the sort of thing is like, you know, even, even some tool stuff, like they're very intricate rhythmically, but because so much of their stuff is like these patterns, it's like, oh, okay, I can get that pattern down. And because I understand what you're doing rhythmically, I can pull off the rhythm, but the gotcha. physicality of playing the guitar isn't that difficult once you get the rhythm down, you know? Gotcha. Um, rhythm is so, the hardest thing, man. If, if yeah. somebody doesn't have it, it just, it fucking falls flat. That, yeah. yeah. But I'm sure but again, you know that. <laughs> yeah. But again, that's also something that, you know, I could see something like that. Like, again, if you, if you look at like taking a song that sounds like tool and trying to mix that with, 
something that sounds like you know Steve Miller band like sure that wouldn't work but but I think the the, the influences of those things and how how I could approach doing something to go along with what you're doing you know I think that that could work and um, but I don't know but again yeah like I think you have to try it and that's that's part of it and that's I think that's the thing too is what I was looking for is not to not have to be the composer, to not have to write right. all the notes for all the instruments, to be like, just I'm be a guy in the this. band, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and that, yeah. that's the thing I, I should have, I think what this, this is an idea that might go somewhere. Like this is just us <laughs> deciding to do a band when we can do a band. Like, yeah. and we have a perfectly good movie or a uh, uh, name, Motormouth. We'll just call, <laughs> just right. brand yeah. everything Motormouth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we have the, the, Same uh, the yeah. domain name. Oh shit. That would be such a cool concert tee fuck yeah. yeah we're doing it oh yeah. we could put like fake concert dates on the back that would be cool <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah it's just like being in a band and playing would be fun like period yeah. like that that's how i should have thought about it rather than just like i don't think our influences mesh because that's the other thing like i think another part of it is like i was so brokenhearted that sam and i never were in a band mm. Cause we were great. Like we were best friends. I was I, like, we really liked, but we just didn't gel. We didn't mesh. It didn't work. So I, I kind of am still a little heart sick about that. Like, I don't want what happened to me and Sam to happen to you and me. Like, cause I like, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, that wouldn't happen. Cause I mean, first of all, like we wouldn't be fighting over lead guitar, you know, like right. <laughs> you could, you could be lead guitar and I would be winning guitar. Or, or that's the thing is like, also who knows, like, um, you know, it could be some sort of mix and, and this was something actually my cousin and I had talked about doing a while ago the the one that I pretty much have collaborated on almost everything with is like you know because the, the band that I talked about where we did Savage Garden and Tool even though like through all of our music stuff together I was always the drummer he was always the bassist we both sang and played guitar in this band and we right. got someone I else to play drum and bass, drums and bass. <laughs> so it was kind of like, you know, maybe this is why this isn't working. Maybe we can't find a good, and not that we're great guitarists, but like, you know, we, we kind of learn the songs and play them and whatever. And, you know, he's a good singer. I'm not a good singer, but it's like, if I like the song enough, I will put in the work to do it. You know, you know, that was sort of the thing is like, well, maybe we need to change up, you know, the instruments we're playing. Maybe that's part of the problem, you know? And, um, you know, at one point, I think we even had the idea of, of recording our own drum and bass tracks and then playing lot like over them live yeah. on guitar, which was, I think, you know, that was sort of an idea we had before we realized, Hey, we have a friend who plays drums and a friend who plays bass. Why not just have them do it kind of thing. Um, but then again, you know, getting the four of us together was a problem. So that's probably why we never did anything after that gig. So it's like, maybe we should go back to just the, you know, just the two of us kind of thing. Um, but again, like, you know, that could be part of what this is too, is like, well, you know, if you wrote this little electronic thing, well, what if, is there something we could do over that with gu guitar or something, you know, and it's like, you know, kind of building these pieces and I, you know, I think, you know, it would be probably super eclectic, but that could be what's kind of cool about it. You know, I feel like yeah. that is, you know, part of the thing nowadays is like to not sound like anyone else. And I think where people go wrong trying to not sound like someone else is that they try to do something that's never been done. And right. I think that's impossible. It's about right. combinations. It's about, well, you've never heard, you know, Steely Dan meets Tool before, you know, or <laughs> sorry, not Steely Dan, Steve Miller band <laughs> meets Tool. And it's just like, fuck, I don't even know what that sounds like. That sounds terrible, but I kind of <laughs> want to hear it because it might be the best thing I've ever heard. You know, right. exactly. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs>
yeah decidedly not steely dan i don't want to sound like yeah. steely dan <laughs> yeah that's fine I don't, I don't i don't think i like steely dan either i don't know why they kept popping into my head what's well, the other thing is like i don't know that i know what steely dan sounds like but i know i don't like them <laughs> right no that's fair <clears throat> well yeah and, and also i feel like a lot of the bands that i liked around that time i i shouldn't say a lot it's basically like two or three so like the, the, like we had like 311, uh, Lip Biscuit and Corn, where they were starting to kind of meld like metal and hip hop, you know, which right. you could say Run DMC and Aerosmith did that years ago. I know. <laughs> but but that was also kind of like this, like, hey, here's two people, two groups who do one thing and put those two things together. Right. And, and, it, and it worked, but it wasn't like um, it, it wasn't like, you know, uh, as as cohesive as like like the whole band kind of shifting in this direction, bringing this style in, um, you know, sometimes it almost reminds me of like the whole like Metallica with orchestra thing where it's like, there's something that didn't quite work there. And I feel like it's because I think it's because it's like, well, Metallica is going to be Metallica. And I think it was Michael Kamen who did the orchestra stuff. He came in and was Michael, you know, he was probably trying to do Metallica with the orchestra as best he could, but Metallica was still Metallica. Right. You know, just like with that, I feel like Aerosmith was still Aerosmith. Run DMC was right. still Run DMC. Yeah. And again, I'm not, I'm not criticizing it. It, it. it was it was cool. It was what it was. Well, what's funny is but, like ever since then, Aerosmith's always done Walk This Way, like that slowed down version. Like right, since yeah. then, like it, it's it it influenced them like going forward. And I mean, that helped relaunch them as a band, like after they had broken up and were all in needed to go to rehab and it a terrible album without Joe Perry on it. Like, yeah, it, it's. Yeah. So it was good that it happened. It was a neat yeah. thing. Yeah. But like, I feel like that, that became a thing, you know, that a lot of, uh, again, I say a lot, at least those three were, were trying to do like, Hey, like it's, it's, you know, it's, and, and I loved it because one of the things that I didn't like as much about rap and hip hop was it's like, I was like, well, where are the instruments? You know, like I, I, you know, so like the fact that you got rap with, with distorted heavy metal guitars, I was like, yes, thank you. That's, that's right. great. All right. You know, um, so that was like another thing too, that like you, I feel like you never would have imagined those things together because if you looked in high school at the people who listened to rap and the people who listened to heavy metal, it's like, there's no way these people are going to get along, you know? And so, so, you know, musically, at least for those things to come together, you know, it's like, oh okay here we go like this is this is working now you know um so that was kind of one of the things i always kind of kept with me is like taking these two styles that seem like they wouldn't fit um and i think part of you know again why it worked is it wasn't like we took a metal guitarist and a rapper and forced them into a room um it was people who were doing one thing who said like let's bring in this other style so so you know maybe i'm I'm talking us out of being in a band being like yeah we're in a band (laughs) Well, I think what was it like to an not to an half man? Uh, How I Met Your Mother. It's like every group of friends has these terrible ideas at some point. It's like let's start a band, <laughs> let's start a let's buy a bar. Right. I can't remember <laughs> what the other one. Like I don't remember what the other one was, but like every time it, it comes up, I'm like I I would love to be in a band. Like I think I I'm. I play music. I write songs. Like I being in a band would be fucking sick. Like, but I'm always like nervous about like, cause uh, like the, the bands that I grew up really enjoying, like Aerosmith, like 
Joe Perry and Steven Tyler were at each other's throats the whole time. Like they loved and hated each other mm-hmm. for six decades. Right. Like, so it, it's like, I always have that in my mind is like, don't get in a band with any of your friends because if you want to keep that friendship, it's going to shit the bed, you know, but no, I yeah, think, I, well, I think if we could talk about star Wars in the respectful tones that we always have, I yeah. think we could make music. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing too, is like, I mean, we're not Aerosmith, like right. We're at this point in our lives, it's like something we'd be doing for fun, yeah. you know, and, and part, here's part of it too my my sort of like full full disclosure is i've i've become very lazy in my old age when it comes to 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 making music which is why i just sit at my computer and use my you know computer and (laughs) keyboard and you know it's like little sample libraries you know um and that's part of why i want to be in the band to get me out of that get me in kind of like an actual organic environment however like, uh, you know, I kind of think about this sometimes. It's kind of sad. It's like, I'll probably never be a drummer again because I don't want to set up and have to fucking carry a drum set anymore. <laughs> so I don't know who's going to play drum for, drums for us, but it's not going to be me. I mean, I'll play djembe. I have a djembe here in Colorado. I, I can take, because that's one thing and I can carry it in one hand and sit down and play it anywhere. I'll gladly do that all day, every day. But yeah, drum set. I don't just, have to do any, any double bass stuff. I, I could hop on drums but yeah i mean yeah you don't have to do anything you, you do you know like that's again that's the beauty of it is i'm not writing the notes for you i'm not right. saying here joel here's your drum set part. <laughs> i mean i still want to do that on some capacity in some situations but not for this situation you know that's yeah that's the thing is i don't yeah i don't i don't want to be the composer i want to be part of a group who it's like my influences are kind of being added to the melting pot you know right. kind of thing Whereas a friend of mine calls it a meat grinder, which I yeah. feel like that works a lot better. It's just so much more, it's like, more appropriate, appropriate yeah. but grosser. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's about enough for that. And here's Tim with the final word. Good night. <laughs>